This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. WWE Extreme Rules 2018 is in the books, and we are here with episode 65 of Top Rope Nation to break it all down for you. I'm your host, Ryan Drosty, joined here by what I'm going to describe as an all-star panel, unlike the pay-per-view tonight. This is an all-star panel to give you our thoughts on tonight's show, break it all down for you. Uh, Before I get to my co-host this evening... I do want to say that if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to leave us a five-star review and subscribe on iTunes, as well as on all of your other podcasting platforms. You can find us on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, YouTube, and of course, TopRopeNation.com. So as I said, Extreme Rules just wrapped up moments ago, and I am joined by three what I would have to characterize as phenomenal professional wrestling analysts to dissect what we saw this evening good and bad Uh, so right now i want to go out to cleveland ohio and welcome my longtime co-host longtime friend ever since episode number two kyle ross how are you feeling tonight just uh trying to get over consuming perhaps some of the worst three plus hours of wrestling (laughs) I've ever seen. But enough about 83 weeks starring Eric Bischoff. Let's talk about <laughs> WWE Extreme Rules. <laughs> Love it. That Hey, there's a preview later in the show, guys. Uh, we're we're going to have a comment on Bischoff's podcast. After we get through the uh, Extreme Rules situation this evening, Kyle has got some thoughts that he would like to get to on, on the Eric Bischoff thoughts. podcast. Yeah, so... If you're not if you're not interested in extreme rules, go ahead and fast forward to about the last ten minutes of this episode. But if you are, you should just you know hang tight here, and listen to our thoughts on the pay per view because we have a lot to discuss. And joining myself and Kyle tonight, making his return to Top Rope Nation after one week off last week, all the way across town from me here in the great state of Iowa, Waterloo to be exact, Mister Justin Joint is on the line. What is the word tonight, my friend? Uh, just what a weird episode of Monday Night Raw tonight. That was so... <laughs> <laughs> it was not very uh, pay-per-view worthy, I would agree. And I, man, I was actually really looking forward to this show, too. So it was kind of a downer. Hold on one second here. You, you threw to Justin for a quote, you know, what's the word? Please don't give him coach's fucking terrible gimmick. Jesus. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Definitely not. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to him. We're all friends. Yes. Here. Can't yes. do that. So, um, I did want to say 
uh, last month after Money in the Bank, uh, we brought back this pay-per-view post-show format. It was kind of the first time we had done that since early 2017. It's been a long time since we'd done the the post-show stuff. And typically we put out new episodes late on Thursday evenings, but we're going to try to keep this up for the time being. So in addition to our usual Thursday shows, we'll have a pay-per-view post-show for you each and every month. And with that said, we thought it would be fun to bring in a new name each month to join us as part of kind of our pay-per-view post-show panel. And uh, I got to say, this post-show panel is going to be a hell of a lot better than what the uh, WWE Network gave to you this evening. Because if you tuned into their post-show, you got smiling Sam Roberts right away staring you in the face when they they went off the air. But we got someone I think is a little better tonight. So joining us... As the fourth member of the panel, special guest co-host, you know him from Broad Street Hockey Radio, where he breaks down the Philadelphia Flyers for SB Nation's BroadStreetHockey.com. He's also a former colleague of all of ours from the days of Top Rope Press. It's a pleasure to welcome Mr. Bill Matz to Top Rope Nation. What's going on tonight, Bill? Uh, WrestleMania 17, that was not. Uh, (laughs) But hey, Shinsuke Nakamura has a singles title, so... Woo! There, there was something positive tonight, I guess. That was an odd match, too. I mean, who who saw that match going just a matter of seconds? I thought, I thought it was the best match of the night. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take much. My, my, first, my first thought on that match was like, my God, that was not worth the hours it took to put all that face paint on. All for that. <laughs> just yeah, there's a lot of prep. A lot of prep went into that one. Yeah. So, did you guys, by the way, uh, this show had a little buzz for the kickoff show or the pre-show because uh, we did have the Sin Cara-Almas match, and I think, you know, we talked a lot about Almas on the show here. We all had kind of high hopes for him coming up from NXT. They haven't really done a lot with him so far. Um, did you guys tune in? I know I know, Kyle tuned in to the pre-show. Bill, did you t- tune into the pre-show tonight? I joined it late, but yeah, I saw some of it. That's right. You were at the beach tonight, weren't you? I was, yes, yes. So uh, it's kind of a downer to come home and see that pay-per-view after being <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was, I was all excited. I was like, all right, we're going to get home a little early. I'm actually going to catch one of the pay-per-views like, you know, in, in real time. And yeah, not, uh, not exactly what I was looking forward to there. No. Were, but hey, were you, you, know, you get to see Sanity. Were you playing with beach balls, you SOB? <laughs> <laughs> Never bring them inside. They only belong outside. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I actually did tune into the pre-show. I usually don't. Um, and the, I thought the Almas match with Sin Cara was pretty good. Kyle, what would you think about that match? Yeah, it was better than an average pre-show match. There were some pretty cool spots, particularly this, you know, Spike Herc and Rana there from Sin Cara. Uh, you know, the argument is that Almas needs to do more interesting things, and I'm not going to disagree with that. But Sin Cara is pretty underappreciated, in my opinion, even for if he's just a prelim guy. And, you know, that's going to be his label from here on out. I think he usually has good matches, and this was one of them. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a good match. Crowd was actually into it, and we're going to definitely get into this crowd a little bit tonight because I got to say, this crowd, we, we ragged on a crowd few months back, a television crowd they had in Green Bay, Wisconsin, that was just absolutely terrible. This Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania crowd tonight takes the cake as the worst WWE television crowd of the year. Even worse than Full Sail University, I've got to say. And Bill, you used to, you used to write some NXT for us. And man, that, that Full Sail crowd has kind of worn thin on us over the, <laughs> the last several months. But man... 
Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I they should not get another television broadcast for years after what was produced tonight by the end of the show. What did, what did you guys think, Justin? Yeah, that was awful. And you know what's weird is um, I'm looking at our Twitter feed and, and we have people who I'm not going to give them uh, any attention, but they're they're talking about how, oh, look at wrestling fans always finding something to complain about. You know, it's like if they're quiet, they complain. If if they start chanting, they complain. It's like, I, as a wrestling fan, I just want you to cheer about the match. That's it. Just like that helps us at home get more engaged with it. You know, it's just just focus on the freaking match, not on the countdown. Yeah, you had a pretty good take on twitter i saw about that i'm trying to find it here right now on my phone um you talked about how like the crowd wants to be the show nowadays rather than Mm -hmm. just adding to it and that that was a perfect example although i'm not really sure what they thought they were adding to the show by just incessantly counting down in the main event every single minute didn't we're gonna get to that match in a little bit but did, did you guys notice did they ever turn the clock off the big screen yes they did because I, I was going to say, if they didn't do that, my God. And, and then the crowd apparently was just doing fake countdowns. They were just kind of guessing. Yeah, that's right. Because they were kind of off for a while, and I was wondering what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I think at the 10-minute mark, they put it back up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. I noticed I noticed somewhere in the middle, it just seemed like they were blurting it out randomly. And like my biggest problem with it is, all right, we're going to you know stage our protest chants during Roman matches to try to you know show Vince that we don't want Roman. All right, well, if you're doing it in the middle of Seth and Ziggler, guess what? He's going to go, these people just want to be the show, so why would I ever listen to them? That's yep. a great talking point. And, you know, there is an argument, like, I guess, on the flip side of what we're saying, that, well, you know, if the crowd was engaged, they wouldn't be like that. I don't know if that's true. There is something to the fact that, you know, these W... You know, audiences in general, it's not just at a WWE show, you know, kind of like to hijack the shows and make it, you know, about them. And it it was cool, like the first couple Raws after WrestleMania, you know, like four or five years ago. But it it has worn thin with me like and Bill's point is very well taken that, okay, if you take it when the crowd does that as a protest chant, like against Roman. You know, we'll give us something else as the main event. Well, they gave you something else as the main event. You know, is is the match order kind of came down? I'm like, wow, they kind of gave the two smart favorite matches the last two spots on the show, and you know, the crowd wound up chanting Rusev Day more in the Reigns match than they did when Rusev was actually out there, which is not the first time that's happened. And then they did the countdown stuff in the Iron Man. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what the Roman haters say about the Roman Reigns match being on just two hours into the four hour show. <laughs> like I, I did not get that at all. Like why the crowd was just, I, and I know it's every Roman Reigns match, but like it's two hours into the show. Like, what are they protesting? He's not in a title. Like it's what, what's the, what's the point? What's the point in this match with Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley and being so indifferent and chanting random things. Like I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish in that situation whatsoever. I had people on Twitter trying to tell me he's still being force fed to us. Like he's fourth from the he's fourth from the top. It's a it's a non title match. It's like what? 
do you just want him fired? Like, do you want him sit down to NXT like he's a AAA <laughs> ball player? Like, what is the goal here with the Roman Reigns hate? Yeah, like, well, seriously, he, do, you think really think it, do they really think he's, like, that bad of a person that they just don't even want him to have a job? Like, yeah, you're exactly right. He's, he's two hours into the show. He's at the exact halfway point into the show, and they're still booing the guy. Like, there is abs- – I knew people would come out with that. Oh, he's being forced still. There is no – possible way anything about that match you could say he was being forced kyle no and he lost yeah and he lost (laughs) and he lost and by the way he loses a lot like how many pay-per-view jobs has he done i mean he lost twice to lesnar uh okay fine he won the elimination chamber but he was the last guy eliminated in the heat spot in the rumble and he loses on tv a lot if anything roman reigns actually loses too much Oh, yeah, no doubt. Like, people always want to draw the John Cena comparison with him and how the crowd was so fed up with Cena 10 years ago. But, you know, for the people that were hating on Cena, Cena at least, like, there was some rationale because he didn't, like, hardly ever lose there for a while. Like, cleanly, he would rarely, rarely lose. But, yeah, like you're saying, Reigns loses all the time. All the time clean. Lost clean to Bobby Lashley tonight. So... I don't get it. I don't get the the hate anymore. And, and then on the crowd too, I just wanted to say since since Bill, you you cover the Flyers on the other side of Pennsylvania. There, I can't remember. You might live in New Jersey, from what I recall, but you're kinda, I do, yeah. You're kind of near the Philadelphia area, just across the river there, if I remember right. Yeah, uh, I'm 15 minutes outside the city. Yeah, so like maybe. I don't recall specifically if Pittsburgh has traditionally had bad wrestling crowds and. Maybe you have some bias towards them, like as a rivalry. I don't know. <laughs> but like, is this is this common? Is is Pittsburgh usually like such an annoying, terrible crowd? I remember reading in a in Edge's book, I think it was him talking about like going into matches in Pittsburgh. They knew they'd have to go extra over the top yes. because I think I think the quote was, "Unless you're a human projectile, Mick Foley off the top of the cell, it's kind of a sit on your hands crowd." I would have taken sit on your hands over over what they gave us tonight. In terms of other sports, I mean, Pittsburgh's a good a good sports town. You know, they're a great rivalry with us, but uh, they're a good sports town. But I, I was just really I, I really thought about putting the show on mute tonight. I re- it was really on my nerves. Yeah, I I was thinking about that too. I was like, it's this match might be much better if I just put like Seth's theme song on a loop and and <laughs> just watched it that way or something. I think uh Kyle, your boy Brian Alvarez had a pretty good take on that crowd oh, tonight. No. I'm pretty sure oh, it was Brian did. Alvarez. Um someone had said like aren't new Japan shows four four to five hours long or something like that. Yeah, here it is. And he said they're five hours, and the fans never turn on the shows because they don't do shows like WWE does shows. <laughs> and that, I thought that was a pretty good point. Um, and this crowd, I mean, yeah, this well, this show actually was shorter too. Like they didn't go the full four hours. Usually they advertise a four-hour show, and they go well, ten or fifteen minutes over. It seems like. Well, they. I mean, if you include the pre-show, which we haven't got, I mean, that started at six. Yeah, no, but the, this was supposed to go until 11 Eastern, right? And it ended at, what, yeah, like 10.45? Well, I, I think the thing is they just have leeway because, you know, you know, they've always done it like that with pay-per-views, generally, that they want to end them a little early, keep you guessing, so you don't know when the... Although with this, I mean, obviously a 30-minute Iron Man match, you kind of generally knew when it was going to end, but uh, they want to keep you guessing, so, you know, it's not 10.55, the match isn't over yet, and you're like, oh, okay, well, here comes the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's just kind of briefly go through some of these matches, what we saw, thoughts. We, met, we mentioned the Sin Cara match with Almas, and also in the pre-show, this one I just kind of had on in the background, Sanity and New Day. Uh, it didn't really seem like too much. Kyle, any observations on that one? Look, I, I'll listen to the argument that New Day is stale, but I just have no interest in Sanity, personally, whatsoever. I, I think like there's a lot of NXT acts that were like, man, they're just not taking advantage of them with any momentum coming up to the main roster. But sanity, honestly, I could care less. Do you think that's more on them or the booking? No, I just don't care about the act at all. Like I didn't care about the act in NXT either. Oh, okay. I, I think I think to the untrained eye, it's just it's like a Wyatt Family 2.0. You know, mm-hmm. you've got the leader who. You know, we're just going to come up with a bunch of alliterative stuff to describe him like, you know, the manipulative master. And then you've got the, you know, the workhorse of the team, which in this case is Killian Dane. He's the Luke Harper of the group. And then you have like Alexander Wolf, who's like kind of like the worthless element, you know, kind of like Eric Rowan. Mm-hmm. So I, I just have zero interest in this act at all. Well, I know I know Justin likes Sanity, at least that when they're in NXT. And I, I got to say, I liked them in NXT. I was looking forward to their debut on SmackDown, which then kind of got like dragged out before it actually finally happened. Uh, I think the act's cool. I like the entrance. I like them as workers. I really like Nikki Cross, who I did see Twitter was going pretty wild over the fact that she worked a SmackDown house show. Yes. Um, so recently, so she could... They bring her up. That could add something to the group. But uh, Justin, I think she, she teamed with Becky Lynch, I believe. That's right. That's right. Justin, you're you're a sanity fan, aren't you? Yeah, I, yeah, I I dig them. But kind of everything you said, you know, it's the entrance. They're good workers. Um, I've lost all faith in NXT call ups doing anything interesting. Everybody just kind of uh, becomes, you know, the spoke in the wheel. Um, there's a chance it okay it's just too early to make a judgment on them we we got to see how they play out at least a little bit i obviously go ahead oh i would say they were put over strong i mean tonight so at least there there was that yeah so i mean it seems like to you kyle they're they're just they're Taco Bell and not Taco John. <laughs> Great reference. <laughs> yes, yes. Great reference. You, okay, Bill, do you have Taco Taco John's in New Jersey? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. That's a new one to me. Yeah, apparently it's kind of like a, a west of the Mississippi thing because they're all over here in Iowa and Minnesota. And Kyle was actually in town with us a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you caught the podcast or not, but he came through. Uh, Waterloo Cedar Falls here and he hooked up with me and Justin we recorded a live podcast in person and Kyle just could barely contain his excitement because there were Taco John's like every city he came to on the highway (laughs) would would you say Kyle there's like one or two in the entire state of Ohio yeah and the second one just got built but the only one before was actually at Ohio University where I went to school (laughs) it's crazy so I had to get Taco John's last week and sent Kyle a picture on on text and he was jealous <laughs> love Taco John's with all my heart and soul a lot better than sanity we should reach a out to, we should reach out to Taco John's to be a sponsor of this this fine podcast if I do say that so that is a hey, good idea kids at home eat Taco John's not Papa John's <laughs> love it love it yeah, that, that is, is real good uh, don't you talk about Hulk Hogan's 
<laughs> pizza franchise that way. Yes. Oh man, <laughs> I was trying to make that connection and I couldn't. Good one, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill, let me get your take on Sanity, too, because like I said, you were kind of one of our NXT aficionados on Top Rope Press there for a while. What, what do you think of Sanity, and do you still catch uh, NXT on a pretty regular basis? I do. Uh, I always find myself catching up, like right when there's about to be a takeover. I'm like, all right, I got to watch the last, you know, three NXTs just to give myself a little background here. But I do try to catch it. Um I, I dug Sanity a lot in NXT. I thought they were a lot of fun. I, I dug their gimmick, and uh, their work was always good. Uh, I think they lost a little bit without Nikki Cross. She was just that uh, an extra element to their matches mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I think has been lost since the main roster. And, yeah, pretty much all the NXT call-ups, it's just I want someone to just come up and, and be great right away. I guess they tried it with, geez, Finn, however long ago, and, you know, he gets hurt right away, so I guess they backed off that a little bit, but uh, I, I think there's some room for Sanity to do something, but I do wish they were a little more a little more NWO and a little less Wyatt family, I guess is what I'm looking for from them. That's I will concede, Nick, yeah, Nikki Cross was, I think, the most interesting part of the group. I will concede that point, and that, that, that could be what's missing here in the main room, because without her, I, I, I just... I don't know. I have no interest. Like they're not an act I will stump for moving forward. I don't think. Yeah, I I did want to say uh, Bill mentioned how he he kind of like does the crash course on NXT before the takeover shows, and then I think Kyle said that last week on on the podcast. That's one of the great things about NXT is you can skip it for a month and like binge watch it and see the show and about the time it takes to watch one edition of Monday Night Raw. So. Oh, it's always a draw, always a draw for NXT. But uh, I think, I think we've said this before on the show too. One of the problems with NXT guys being brought up is that they always just kind of assume that the WWE main roster audience just knows the people and they don't really introduce them very well. And when you look at like the subscriber numbers for the network, it's actually a pretty small fraction of the audience that watches NXT on the network. So. For a company that does such a great job with their video packages, like all you have to do, even on a stinker of a pay-per-view like Extreme Rules, go back and the pre-match videos are always very well done. So they've got a great video department. You would think that they could promote these guys and ladies a whole lot better with you know some background knowledge and what they've done in NXT and introduce the characters a lot better than they do because I always feel like... They try to make these acts just kind of stand on their own, and they they fail because nobody really knows anything about them. So, yeah, all they all they've given us is chaos. It's just chaos with sanity, and all I see is you know them wrestling. You know, yeah. it's really nothing any different. It's just <laughs> it's just three guys trying to win a wrestling match. You know, yeah. which really is not a lot different than the majority of the roster. Yeah. So the pay per view got started, and. After those two pre-show matches, kind of surprising that one of the first things you heard was that awful, awful Matt Hardy theme song. And Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt are out to defend the Raw Tag Team titles against the B Team. And um, to summarize this match, all I got to do is just repeat what Kyle wrote in our text thread at the end of the match. The B Team? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) The B Team is your new Raw Tag team champions. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot of offense in in the match. Um, most of the match was Hardy and Wyatt, although there was like one point where I think it was Hardy was waiting to make the hot tag to Wyatt. But they did lose the match, and I don't think hardly anyone would have seen this one coming. 
since the B team has done virtually nothing on Raw in the, in the last several weeks. Uh, thoughts from you guys on this match? Justin, why don't you start us off? Um, I, I guess this match was kind of, for me, the entirety of the entire the entire show, it felt like the middle chapter of more to, you know, the middle chapter of a book, basically it, this can't be the team they want to go with on Monday night raw, considering they have the revival and authors of pain. It's fine for now. The match was meh. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just lackluster, I guess, is, is the only way I can put it. Yeah, perhaps the better question rather than what we thought of the match is, like, who is going to be the next tag team champions? Because I doubt the B team holds the titles very long. So do we think they're going to go back to Wyatt and Hardy? Because it so seemed long. like that's breaking up. I think Hardy already sent out a tweet kind of saying, like, a, a move-on kind of thing about the team. So... I would love to see the revival get the belts very quickly. I think that would be a good move. Bill, what do you what do you see happening in Raw Tags in the Raw Tag Team Division? Yeah, the Raw as I'm watching the match, I'm just sitting there thinking, yo, don't don't we have the revival and authors of pain? Like, can't we have an actually good tag team title match? Like this is what you're giving us. You know, they would never put the titles on like Breeze and Fandango. And it just seems like that's what the B team is. I, I I don't know. It's lackluster was a great word for it. You're just sitting there going, okay, maybe we're going to break up Matt and Bray. Where the hell do we go with the tag titles from here? Like the B team. That's a great tweet. <laughs> the B team. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was terrible. I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this finish at all. Kyle. Using Justin's book analogy. I just was not, interested in this book period i didn't want i don't want to open this book i don't want to finish this book i don't want to you know <laughs> skim this book it's just we talked about this i believe on the last show ryan when it was just you and i that no matter who won tonight and then you know bill and, and justin picked up on this too so obviously they, you know either they listened or they would just all four great minds think alike i just want to see these belts go to like the revival or the authors of pain and you know a serious team because raw has a lot of these just comedy teams that are just opening act house show stuff. Um, this match was not particularly good. I was shocked by the ending solely because, you know, the B team had won a lot in the buildup and typically WWE, uh, you know, when you win a lot on the buildup on TV, you lose the pay-per-view match. Uh, the other thing that was bad about this match, they, they spent time kind of building to the Bo Dallas Bray Wyatt confrontation and then did nothing with it. So that was kind of well. It, and actually, it, I'm glad you pointed that out because hopefully that is part of the story. You know, with them winning the tag titles and there was that at the beginning of the match that kind of that slow build to Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. And, you know, maybe. You got to put a lot of faith into WWE, but maybe there's some long-term story that's going to happen. Oh, good you know, one. Yeah, you know what I don't want? You know, we talk about revival authors paid to take shit. What I don't want is a Matt Hardy Bray Wyatt feud. I think you're going to get it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that. I mean, like I could not think of a feud in WWE I would want to see less than that. I mean, Matt Hardy. I mean, my God, he moves like he's you know in quicksand. Yeah, I. You know, I I got to say for a company that that likes to tell stories, wasn't that the famous quote from Vince McMahon on like Beyond the Matter? We that's what we do. We tell stories or something like that. This is like the the perfect example of a few that should just tell a story because the matches aren't going to be very good and nobody really is invested in the characters. So you got to make them invested in the characters. And I thought we would go a place with Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt, like you hinted at there, Kyle. And we might still go to that place, but I just don't. I don't want to see this be a, a long-lasting feud, but perhaps we'll get some kind of a, a final deletion-style rematch or something where. Why, uh, not Wyatt, Dallas and, and Axel get turned to the dark side or something, and, and they finally acknowledge that Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt are like siblings. I don't know. I, I'd like them to see him do something creative, though, because as constructed right now, the, the only way this could be interesting is if they got really creative with it, given those other tag teams they have on Raw. I, I would say like 60 to 75% of Raw's tag team division probably belongs in like an Ultimate Deletion style <laughs> segment. You know, where it's just like goofy stuff. I mean, we talked about, I mean, look at the teams. You have like Titus Worldwide, you know, Fandango's hurt now, so just Tyler Breeze on his own, so he's kind of up Shit's Creek. You know, the Ascension, uh, Slater and Rhino. These are comedy teams. Like, honestly, just throw them all in an ultimate deletion, and it'll probably be more interesting than anything else you could do with them. Isn't that kind of ironic that <laughs> Fandango, and or uh, Breezango, I should say, they were like way 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 more over than the b team will ever be yeah they would have never even considered putting the tag team titles on them you know that got kind of it did get kind of old i think after a little bit oh yeah it was a one trick pony but yeah for a while though it was very popular i mean way more Mm -hmm. popular than anything the b team's doing and they would have never considered giving breeze and fandango the tag team titles so it's kind of odd to see them win them tonight but more power to them so We'll see what becomes of this tomorrow night. Um, here we go. Finn Balor and Baron Corbin, the constable. Kyle, your new favorite professional wrestler. What do you think of this match, Kyle? I don't uh, – it was odd. They, they put the matches I really didn't care about the most on first. It was very much like a 1998 WWF pay-per-view. Um, I don't know. Little guy beat the big guy. They tell that story from time to time. It was – done in a way where you think the feud must continue to kind of play off what Justin just said, you know, just winning with a small package. Um, and the fact that I don't know what these two, who they'd be programmed with moving forward besides each other. I imagine this feud's going to continue. Uh, I will say on the positive side, Baron Corbin's getting a lot smoother in the ring, stealing a lot of big boss man spots. <laughs> Great reference. Yeah. Justin, our resident Finn Balor, Mark, what'd you think of this one? Yeah, it it felt like uh, chapter two in a three or four chapter book. Um, I would assume they're working towards a Demon Balor match against Corbin at SummerSlam, being that mm. we haven't seen him since October, I think. Do they blow it on Baron? On, I mean, I love the Constable. I know you do too, but do we blow the Demon gimmick on the old Constable? I mean, if you're going to blow it, you got to blow it on the constable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Imagine someone tuning into the podcast just now. What the hell are they talking about? <laughs> blow it on the constable. <laughs> 
Yeah, I thought I thought it was a decent match. Uh, typical smaller guy versus bigger guy, like you guys said. Um, Balor stealing the win kind of thing, and it's definitely going to continue. Bill? Yeah, I, I liked that Balor steals the win. I would have, you know, if I had to put money on this, it would have been Corbin does, you know, something underhanded and, and pulls it out, and Finn Balor sitting there looking at the ref like, hey, what the hell? Uh, so it's cool to see him get a clean win. Um I, it's one of these things I would like to see where it's going. Like, what are we building to a, a you know demon Balor coming back? Is that what we're is that what we're building towards? I would love to know where this is going. But decent enough match, fine for its spot on the card. Uh, I do believe Corbin is getting a little better, even though he's you know wrestling in slacks basically. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm not the biggest Finn Balor guy, but I liked what I saw tonight. No problem with it whatsoever. How dare you? <laughs> you? You know what they should have done with this feud is it should have built to a hair versus hair match where Corbin and that's how Corbin lost his hair. Oh, yeah, that actually like, would I have mean, been pretty good. Like, I know Vince, you know, there's like this knock out there that Vince doesn't like hair matches, although it was like the biggest match he ever did was when he put his own hair on the line. Uh, so I don't know how accurate that rumor is. But, you know, just having Baron shave. The, the hair, I don't know, it was just kind of underwhelming. Like when, you know, when he did it, my, I don't know about your guys' Twitter feed, but mine filled up with, why didn't they build a match to do that if he was going to shave his hair? You know, build some heat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I got to say with, with the demon stuff, whatever we got to do to get the demon would be a good thing because we got to, I mentioned smiling Sam Roberts earlier in the show. We got to get <laughs> rid of smiling Finn Balor because. <laughs> This 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 story with Finn Balor just gawking and smiling backstage all the time is just absolutely terrible. Just terrible. Bring the no, he's just up. a regular guy. He is. He's they've completely like. There's nothing special about Finn Balor right now. I well, still like. I still really like the guy. But what about his hog? You know, a lot of people would say something about that hog. What if he started smacking people with that hog? That could be his new finisher. Oh God. <laughs> I don't. It know. would be a lot better than the Spike Dudley finish. Yeah. No, whatever, whatever we got to do to get to the demon, please make it happen. I know Justin's dying for the demon's reemergence. You know what? Though? I, Don't take that him, the wrong way. Give him credit for being disciplined, though. You know, it, it's something that they could use as a crutch and go to. It, it could work both ways. You know, it's a well they could go to too often, and they certainly have not done that. Right. Well, you know, we've we've talked on the show too before about Balor as a heel back when we thought maybe he'd go heel with Gallows and Anderson and how his best work in his career was as a heel in New Japan. Um, man, at, at a point right now where he just seems like just another guy, this would really be like the perfect time to turn him heel. Because I don't I don't know how his merch is selling right now. I'm I'm guessing it's still selling pretty good, but not anywhere close like his peak in NXT when he was the champion there. And if they were worried before about merch sales, like he he is definitely he has to have been tr- uh, trending downward at this point. I would love to see a heel turn just to freshen him up a little bit. He sold one shirt tonight, just FYI. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we were texting about that, but yeah. <laughs> one shirt is heading to Iowa here. The the newest Balor Club shirt, I believe. So, um. I do want to say, guys, before we get to the next match, which was actually the first match where I started to see criticism of the show like in a big way, which was the SmackDown Women's title match, um, we often talk about craft beer here on the show and what we are drinking. And uh, I think even our Twitter bio 
talks about wrestling and beers. What have you guys been drinking this evening? Share it with your listeners because I just cracked open another beer. I am currently drinking, and I think Bill is a is a craft beer fan as well. I am drinking the Velveteen Habit from Ale Asylum out of Madison, Wisconsin. Justin, what has been in your glass tonight? Uh, I had a couple uh, CL smoothies, otherwise known as Coors Light. <laughs> I yeah, like he, that. Yeah, he said that to to me earlier on the text. I'm like, can you explain what a CL smoothie is? I'm not really sure what that is. Is that is that what you're drinking right now? That I can see on your video feed. No, that would be vodka water. Oh, okay. There we go. That was the New Orleans choice of drink for Justin Joint during WrestleMania weekend. Bill, what are you drinking? Yeah. Uh, right now, I've been on a kick for one of my local breweries. It's uh, Kate May Brewery, uh, Jersey Shore Brewery. And it's the, what is this one? Follow the Goal IPA. Citrusy, tropical, and juicy. Uh, I've just been trying all their beers. Every time I have one, it's it becomes my new favorite. I can't keep track of which one I like best because I'm just into all of them. There we go. You, you can't really drink anything but IPAs in the summertime. That's My beer is an IPA as well. I was, I was actually talking with my wife earlier today about how I think overall I prefer like porters and stouts, but you can't really can't really drink those when it's 95 degrees outside so yeah i'm a i'm a yes all beer kind of guy i just drink beer i love miller light i love land shark i love craft beers whatever i'm a beer fan my favorite beer is guinness but i ain't drinking it in july yeah that's that's for sure it doesn't go down well in the humidity here in, in the midwest at least in in july uh kyle what's your what's your beer of choice for extreme rules tonight well, I was drinking some delirium earlier, but uh, I actually switched. I've been drinking all day, quite frankly. So I switched to Coke to give myself strength for this podcast. Three, Coca Cola, Coca Cola. Switched to Coke. My yeah, God. I'm, 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 <laughs> not, not, not like that one podcast where I started tooting the cane. Oh, oh, my God. This show has gone off the rails. <laughs> yep. Yes, it has, especially. Got to hang out with you guys. That's yeah. right. And man, next time, Bill, next time we do one of these live podcasts, you're going to have to fly out to the great state of Iowa to join us. I've always wanted to see Iowa. <laughs> are you are you being sarcastic or are you serious? <laughs> yeah, said nobody ever. <laughs> you got to get to the field of dreams. Yeah, right? ever since I read Jewless Joe, you know? There you go. There you go. So, all right. SmackDown women's title match, Asuka and Carmella. I thought, so... When we did our pay-per-view preview, I'm writing right now on popculture slash comicbook.com, and one of our questions was, give me one surprise for this this show. I think our guy Jack Snodgrass had written that, and I got to give out a shout-out to Connor Casey as well, one of our or w, WD writers there at comicbook.com. Um, my, my surprise was that Carmella would walk out SmackDown women's champion. And that's exactly what happened. And honestly, could, could you guys have seen Asuka winning the women's title at a B show? Cause I didn't see it at all. That's, that's kind of why I went to Carmella's going to retain. Cause I don't, I don't think Asuka would win the, would win the title for the first time at extreme rules. So what did, what did you guys think of this match? What did you think of the finish? Did you guys think that Asuka was harmed by this finish because that's what I kept seeing on Twitter. People saying, oh, they've killed the SmackDown's women's division and, and Asuka's dead. What do you think, Kyle? Um, it hasn't been good since WrestleMania. I hate to keep harping on it, but she shouldn't have lost to Carmel, uh, Charlotte at WrestleMania. And it's kind of all gone downhill from there. Uh, we talked about it on our show last week, too, that 
the whole notion that, you know, with them just bringing Ellsworth back, it was unlikely they were going to take the title off Carmella. So we said there was going to be a lot of kind of crappy finishes tonight, and this was the first one. Uh, this was not a good match. Carmella, bless her soul, is not good once the bell rings at all. Um, you know, once Ellsworth started dropping foreign objects from the cage, like five minutes in, you knew this wasn't going long, and they had little confidence in the match. And it was it was bad. <laughs> it was just a really bad match. And Asuka has been harmed. I, I think her losing multiple times to Carmella or, uh, isn't great at all. Um, especially... Because, you know, when you combine it with the Charlotte loss, it makes it even worse. So I'm going to push back here a little bit to get us talking Uh here. (laughs) Do you think that the Carmella losses have been more damaging than the Charlotte loss? Tough question. Um, If there were, all right, this is what I would have done. And I think we talked, Justin, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that we talked about this. I think they were afraid of getting real heat. And what they should have done was had Carmella end the streak with the money in the bank cash in. That would have been real heat. Mm -hmm. Um, Having Asuka lose to Charlotte and then just kind of be this plug-in challenger is just underwhelming and bad. So when you combine all the factors, um, it's been like, you know, having that be the way that the streak ended and having her chase and having there be real heat there, I think people would have cared more going in than they do. I just don't think people care about this program at all. Yeah. It it is an issue. And it's, and it goes back to the fact that people stopped caring or started caring less about Oscar when she lost at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. That's why I would say the WrestleMania loss is more damaging because Carmella's victories have been like hokey heel finishes, you know, Ellsworth coming back, Oscar beating the shit out of Ellsworth. And then Carmella comes up tonight and, Throws Asuka into the cage, knocks her out, pins her. You know, like, I I think the Charlotte loss was just mind-blowing. I didn't see that one coming at all. And I think that's really what took, like, the special feeling away from Asuka, where she was undefeated and everything. And I'm pretty sure sitting there in the Superdome with you, Justin, we looked at each other and Jaws just dropped when Asuka lost at uh, at WrestleMania. So what, what were your thoughts on this match? And, and how do you feel about Asuka's direction just in general right now? Okay, yeah. Yes, we were sitting in the Superdome, also known as the Silver Dome to some racists. And yeah, I was shocked by the end of that match. But to think that that was a a bigger blow to her status than what is going on right now is just ridiculous. At, at, At WrestleMania, she lost to what will more than likely go down to be the greatest women's wrestler of all time. There, there's a very good chance of that. Charlotte is amazing. Uh, Charlotte ooh. is on a hell of a run. Oh. She, she, she's, she's, oh, boy. Kyle sounded like he had <laughs> too much Taco Bell in the background right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it took anything away. In fact, I, to me, that was the beginning of what you could start to build an interesting story with Oscar. Cause what are you going to do? You're just going to keep doing the undefeated thing for another year that we would, we would be complaining about that right now. If that was the story that was going on, uh, the match tonight didn't really bother me only because I kind of expected it to be what it was. I mean, you're in a match with Carla and, and James Ellsworth in a fucking shark cage. I mean, you're not, you're not expecting flair and, uh, 
steamboat. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think go, go ahead. No, it just. I was entertained by it. You know, it's like that. That was the first match. I was like, all right. I mean, I, I get what they're doing here. Uh, what did Asuka lose? I mean, she she got double teamed and thwarted by by a bad guy. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Yeah. No, I think uh I think there's something to what you said about um if she hadn't lost, we'd still be talking about today and how that's getting boring cuz that was always one of my biggest criticisms of Goldberg and why I wasn't a big fan of Goldberg in the WCW oh, days. There we go. <laughs> it's because I thought it got really old when he was undefeated for a long long time, but I feel I felt like Asuka though, like when she lost to Charlotte, like she was still relatively new to the main roster and that's why I felt like that was such a huge character shift for her to lose that match just completely clean, no controversy whatsoever. Yeah, yeah that's the issue with the I had too. I'm, yeah. I'm with Ryan. I, I actually listening to you too. I'm like, it slots her below Charlotte clearly on the pecking order. Yeah, no, I don't, and I'm I don't. and I'll be honest with you. I think Charlotte Flair is wildly overrated. I mean, I, I I like her a lot. I don't know. I'd say she's overrated, but. I like her a lot, but I, I do feel like, like you said, Kyle, that did peg her like a step below instantly after WrestleMania. And I, I don't think the Carmella feud has really been very damaging for her because, like we said, it's, it's just like, you know, bullshit finishes over and over. Whatever. She'll get her a revenge probably next month at SummerSlam. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, going back to, to WrestleMania, I, I like the streak ending because if you are going, whether we think it or not, they're going to push Charlotte Flair as, you know, carrying on the Ric Flair greatest of all time lineage. So if that's the story you're telling with her, great. All right. She did, you know, beat the undefeated Asuka. Good for her. And you get the streak away from Asuka because once you get into a, an undefeated streak, that's the only story you're telling. Like, you need to move on. And I like the story that they're telling with Asuka now. Sometimes I think they're working us, like people who do podcasts and people who care about this kind of stuff. Oh, my God, they had Carmella, who can't work at all, go over on Asuka. And that builds more sympathy for Asuka. And that's a story they can tell all the way till next WrestleMania when I assume we get the first women's main event of WrestleMania and it's Asuka getting her revenge finally. But that's my fantasy booking mind. And against who? I think it's Oscar Charlotte. You go back to it and do it over again, and it's finally she gets that title back or gets it for the first time after chasing it for over a year. And uh, more to uh, Bill's point, which I think is spot on. I think we just all agree that Kyle Ross is the one who's overrated, not, oh. not Charlotte. <laughs> oh, dude. Come. So here's the the way they booked it. So, okay, they, they put Charlotte on the pedestal, right? She get the, And then they had her lose to Car. The booking was, I thought, very bad. Like how they had Carmella get the big win, but then she loses via cash-in. And I don't think Asuka's getting the big win at Russell. I think Charlotte's get, is earmarked for Ronda Rousey. I mean, that might be a main event, but it's not going to be Charlotte Asuka. And if you guys think I, like Oscar's getting this, I would be shocked if they're because Bill, I, I was the first part of what he said. I completely agree with. They're going to. It doesn't matter if I think Charlotte Flair's overrated or not, because her last name is Flair. She is going to be the long-term centerpiece of the women's division. It's just the way it is. So I don't think Oscar's getting redemption to her over Charlotte WrestleMania at all. I'd be shocked if that happens. 
Yeah, in terms of Carmella going over tonight, and maybe they will build to Rousey or something like that. I just maybe it's not WrestleMania. I feel like Oscar will eventually get that revenge and get that comeuppance and get you know the okay our 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 feud is one one now. Like I feel like that will happen eventually. In terms of Carmella going over tonight. I don't really have a problem with it because I like when heel champions do stuff like that and it keeps everyone, you know, I don't think this damages Asuka at all because, like we all said, she deserves the title whether she gets it or not. Different story, but everyone likes her. Everyone's a, an Asuka fan. Carmella, I don't know if it's the troll in me that I just love how upset everybody gets about Carmella winning or if I actually like the story. I'm so deep in it, maybe. Because she is one of the worst workers I've ever seen. Her matches are borderline unwatchable. Uh, but maybe because everyone else says that, there's just some troll part of me that loves her going over Asuka. She has the character down. Oh, yeah. She does. She, she absolutely she does. Down. Yeah, she's... Uh, I, I feel like her, her character work has been really, really good. Like She's really excelled the last month or so. Ring work wise, not there yet. <laughs> Definitely not there yet. But as a champion, she's been pretty entertaining. I I don't really have any complaints. As just just one final to put a bow on the the booking of this division. As I think about it, you could. They're gonna do Oscar Charlotte in a rematch. They will, but it's gonna be like Oscar's probably she does need to eventually beat Carmella to justify the story. And Charlotte can very much then come in and say, well, hey, I'm the only person, you know, who beat you fair and square or something like that. Or I beat you or she could say I beat you before. And that gets that back to the title program. But, uh, man, I, I just I don't I see Charlotte. Uh, when it's all said and done, Charlotte's the one they're going to go with, not Asuka. Yeah, I, I I would think Asuka would win the title at SummerSlam most likely, and then how long she holds the the belt is kind of up for debate because I don't know how long they're gonna hold off and putting it back on Charlotte. Um, I guess it could happen at a big show, Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. Although since Charlotte's had the belt before, they could do it at a B show too. But uh, I I really do think Asuka will get it next month. But are we categorizing are we categorizing Extreme Rules as a B show? Because the scale doesn't go down to C or D. <laughs> That's true. We should call this a D show, probably, would be more accurate. Because it was not very good. And honestly, I did feel like the first half of the show was being paced pretty well. Because of the fact that they were getting a lot of the matches out of the way. They didn't have a lot of build. And they were leaving for later in the show, like, the good stuff. But then the good stuff didn't shake out as well as I thought it would. And... <laughs> I don't know. I did have high hopes for this U.S. title match between Nakamura and Jeff Hardy, which went a matter of seconds. That was the next match on the card. Nakamura is your U.S. champion. We've talked ad nauseum on the show about how Nakamura probably should have got a WWE championship run. Um, I did see his... Was that on the pre-show when he had the, the interview with uh, Renee Young? Mm-hmm. Yes. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, where he was talking about he was having technical difficulties, couldn't hear, blah, blah, blah. Nakamura comes out, defeats Hardy in seconds, wins the U.S. title. Um, I guess we're getting a rematch this Tuesday night on SmackDown. Jeff Hardy is cashing in his rematch clause. And then we also got Justin Joint's favorite professional wrestler making his return at the end, Randall Orton himself. Justin, how were you feeling when you saw the St. Louis native walk that aisle once again it, it didn't get 
as much traction as some of our other tweets tonight, but the first thing I tweeted when he came out and uh, uh, gave Jeff Hardy's Twig and Berries the business <laughs> was Heel Orton finally a, a, a breath of slightly less polluted <laughs> air. <laughs> I thought that was a, a really good tweet. That was a good take. I, I didn't see the action it got on Twitter at Top Rope Nation, but uh, I liked it. That was good. Yeah, no, it, it got nothing. I'm I'm excited. I, I'm not excited because I don't give a shit about Orton. I am. <laughs> I, I, I am more in, as enthused as I could possibly be about Orton now that he's a heel. That. You know, maybe they can do something in- interesting with him. If I have to watch Orton, it better be bad guy Orton. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I agreed. Um, my my tweet about Orton's return was Randy's presence on WWE broadcast has felt like a stomp to the dick for many years now. <laughs> so That's I suppose that was appropriate when he stomped Jeff Hardy in the dick. <laughs> so, you know, hey, uh, Ryan, since we're talking about all our tweets about randy orton and penises and whatnot i think we'd be remiss not to give kyle ross some credit for the line of the (laughs) night for me that was the line of the night uh quote jeff hardy's penis just took a bigger beating than mick foley at hell in a cell hashtag extreme rules that's kyle ross right there up on the twitter page (laughs) kyle bravo Uh, thank you i do what i can (laughs) <laughs> By the way, Orton and Nakamura, you know, they, they have so much in common. You know, two guys who try about six times a year each. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kyle Ross, the king of the one-liners. There we go. <laughs> I, you know, so I, I, I'm going to say this and talk about the actual, you know, whatever it was, 10-second match. I liked it. I liked how this was done. I thought it was a for a title change it was far more effective had they done just kind of a ho-hum, run-of-the-mill 12-minute match. And because I don't think that, you know, Jeff Hardy's hurt. So I don't think the match would have been that good. Um, you know, those who are out there, you know, thinking we were cheated out of some great match or lying to themselves about Nakamura because, uh, you know, the last man standing match last month was OK. But other than that, he has not been at the level that most would have expected coming in to the main roster. He just hasn't been. His strength right now is his heel work, whether it's that interview you referenced Ryan earlier or, you know, just, you know, the low blow before the bell. Yeah, yeah. So, Kyle, so, Kyle's a hundred percent correct. This, this is the way it had to go, and I did not realize going into the match how bad Jeff Hardy was, uh, as far as physically speaking. I was kind of looking forward to how that match would go, but this totally worked for me, especially considering I I assume Jeff Hardy was super messed up on drugs. <laughs> Uh, that my first thought was, oh, here we go again. Like I, I realized later that Jeff Hardy was hurt, but when you see Jeff Hardy lose a title in six seconds, you go, oh, yep, here we go again. But yeah, I, I was looking forward to maybe if Hardy was healthy, we this goes second longest match on the card, see what they can do because it's such an interesting clash of styles. But like everyone else, this works for me, especially with the injury. I'm fine with this. Let's see more heel Shinsuke and see if he can turn into something because he has been a disappointment since his call up. I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and I'm I'm a big Nakamura fan, and I do think he's he's been really really disappointing on the main roster. He does seem kind of like he phones it in a lot, and uh, 
God, when I saw him at an NXT house show almost two years ago now, I, I felt like his performance at the house show was really phoned in, and that was kind of <laughs> disappointing too. So uh, I agree, even as a, as a big Nakamura fan, his run has been a disappointment until the, the heel turn, and I think the heel turn's been really good for him. It's freshened him up a lot. Love the new theme song, and uh, I'm interested to see what he does with the U.S. title. And uh, it's interesting that Jeff Hardy you know, his health situation. Cause he did just give an interview where he talked about how, um, he's, he's not using the Swanton bomb anymore at untelevised events because it's just too hard on his body, which really isn't that shocking, I guess, considering the style he's wrestled now for the last 20 years or so, but uh, it does catch up to you. And, uh, he's hurting these days and it makes sense. He's got, he's got to tone it down for the non television shows. So, um, this led us into the, Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens, Steel Cage match, which uh, one of the most memorable spots of the night. Probably, if you see any highlights of this show ever again in the in the future on <laughs> WWE, it's going to be the Kevin Owens bump off the top of the cage when Braun Strowman chokeslammed him off the cage. And so this makes another massive bump Kevin Owens has taken. And uh, the camera crew caught this one pretty well, I think. Uh, compared to the one he took at Money in the Bank, which they kind of missed a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Kevin Owens, he's going out there. He, he's taking the bumps. And uh, what would you guys think of this match? Kyle. I didn't like this feud <laughs> from the start. I just yeah, I thought the psychology was bizarre. Uh, I get that Braun is pretty bulletproof right now, his character, and the crowd's going to cheer and whatever. But, like, Kevin Owens just came across this entire feud as, like, this sympathetic heel. It's like, why is Braun like kicking his ass for no reason? And so unless if this bump leads to a babyface turn for Kevin Owens, I'm just not sure what, what this accomplished. And I think the bump, by the way, look, if I if I, I'll throw a wet blanket on the thing on the heels of our discussion we had last week on the show, Ryan, I thought it was unnecessary. Now, <laughs> Dave Meltzer, who I'll actually defend later on in this program, by the way. You know, of course, has to go on there and say, you know, everyone owes me a fucking apology right now. <laughs> Fuck you, Meltzer. Oh, shit. <laughs> Here we go. There it is. There's our first F you, Meltzer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you see that? Like, I, like, I, I did. Like, as, yeah. soon as, as soon as Owens takes the bump. And by the way, the monitors were on there. And it, it wasn't the safest bump um, in the world to be taking. I no. agree with that. But Meltzer's like, some people really owe me some apologies right yeah. now. I, that's not, yeah, tweets like that are not really doing much for his reputation as a New Japan homer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, come on. If, if, you're so, if you're supposed to be like a neutral journalist, why? Why would you send that out? I, I, I saw that flash up on my timeline almost immediately, and I'm like shaking my head. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought this match was longer than I thought it would go, which I was surprised by because I really like Kevin Owens and I didn't want to see him get squashed on pay-per-view. I wanted to see him do something interesting here. And so I thought that they drugged the match out like a little longer than I would have expected, which is a good thing. I thought uh, thought Owens did a good job in getting a little bit of offense in and trying to win. And I, I kind of like the DX crop. Uh, crotch chop that he did when he before he climbed up to the cage and then Braun he also broke did loose. he also did a stunner yes. and the CM Punk 
kiss you goodbye spot that he did to Vince at Money in the Bank 2011. Did you catch that? Yeah, that's actually a really he did good... all three things. I mean, Kevin Owens doing a, becoming a tribute act wrestler here in 2018. <laughs> Kevin Owens is so good though. Like I don't want to. I know he had to lose the match. Well, I guess he technically won it, but he he took a beating and, and lost in your in your eyes from what you saw. But uh, he's so good. Kevin Owens is so good, and I, I was glad that he he did something memorable on the show. Now, whether or not he needed to jump off the top of the cage to an announce table, maybe not, but it was definitely memorable. What did you think of the What did you think of the match, Bill? I, I really liked the match, and yeah, I didn't really understand the feud other than Kevin Owens is just entertaining, and Braun Strowman breaking stuff is fun. Uh, I didn't really understand the feud because yeah, Kevin Owens is the bad guy. Braun Strowman is committing crimes against him weekly. Like Braun Strowman should be in prison for all this stuff. But I I, I really like the match. Uh, Owens gets to be able to go out and say, hey, I have a victory over Braun Strowman. And I thought Owens was almost getting to the point of uh, of Bray Wyatt in that. Oh, he gives us he gives us great work every week and he just goes out and loses. And at a certain point, the bad guy needs a win so that you stay invested in him. So obviously Strowman's going to do something ridiculous in a cage. He does it. But Owens gets the win. I thought everyone came off good here for a feud that I didn't really love. I really uh, enjoyed where it went tonight. And that bump was just absolutely freaking insane. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I would agree. That's one of the coolest spots I've ever seen. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, he almost overshot it a little bit too. He did. It was definitely it was definitely dangerous the, with the monitors on there and everything, and just the pure distance and the height. But it was cool looking. Yeah, Justin, you take yourself out of that vodka water. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I agree with a lot of you guys are saying. Um, I think the finish of the match is what it needed to be. The booking is definitely Vince McMahon hero booking 101 where they're actually the asshole. I mean, like if you go back to Hulk Hogan, I mean, he he was always kind of the asshole in all of his feuds. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess that's about the, the gist of it. Just, Hopefully they do some more stuff with Kevin Owens because he he's phenomenal. Kind of reminds me of the uh, the series. Have you guys seen that series? Zach Morris is trash. The Saved by yes, the Bell I film. Have. I have not. Where <laughs> you you guys you know you watch Saved by the Bell when you're a kid and you're like oh Zach Morris he's so cool he's the hero and then you look back at it as an adult and you're like man Zach Morris was a freaking asshole. And it's like, that's how Vince McMahon books, right? Like, uh, the guy who's supposed to be the hero is kind of a jackass. I mean, it worked for Steve Austin, so... (laughs) That's true, that's true. That was the attitude in the late 90s, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, This brings us to the the SmackDown tag team title match, who I guess there's rumors out there right now that Brian has now re-signed with WWE. Uh, I saw a tweet about that earlier tonight. I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. accurate or not, but that's kind of making its way around. Yeah, I don't know. Kyle, have you heard anything on this? I heard it was a short-term deal through the, basically through December and that they're working on a longer-term deal still. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Well, he did not get the uh, the tag team titles here, but we did have the Bludgeon Brothers taking on Daniel Bryan and uh, Kane, Team Hell No, and Daniel Bryan continues his streak of having absolutely terrible T-shirts 
since returning to the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Much to Justin and I's disappointment. I, you I'm know, dying I, to throw money at WWEshop.com for a new Daniel Bryan shirt. I and they've the all been terrible. One. I bought the, 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 the whatever believe, the dreams, whatever. I bought that one at WrestleMania. I haven't hated him as much. That one that he had on uh, Tuesday was very bad with the the um, it had like the cane mask or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah. that one. Was oh, bad. the the yes arms with the cane mask. Yeah. Yes. My biggest problem was so many. I love Daniel Bryan. Love him. Want to throw money at him, like you said. Like absolutely, give me Daniel Bryan T-shirts. Knowing who his fans are, grown men mostly. You know, Daniel Bryan fans are 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 smarks. We don't want. A man wearing underwear on our chest. <laughs> like he, all of his shirts, it's him and his wrestling trunks. Yep. Like, nah, man, just give me a shirt that says yes in a cool font, and I'll freaking buy it. That's that's so funny you mentioned that because uh, around the time he retired, there was like a tribute shirt they released with him, uh, like black and red, and it was him like leading the yes chance, but he was standing tall like in his underwear, and I was like, I can't buy it. I cannot buy that T-shirt because it's got a grown man wearing underwear on the front. Yeah, that's, I wear I wear <laughs> wrestling shirts every week on BSH Radio. That's my thing. We simulcast on on Facebook. I wear wrestling shirts. People realize it now. Like I, Daniel Bryan's my favorite wrestler. I can't wear his shirts because I look silly. Yeah. No. And he actually like his first run before the injury and everything. Like not his first run, but you know his his championship run. He actually had really good merch back then. Like he had a. a really sweet hoodie that just said yes in the corner that was cool um he had the like the yes movement t-shirt that was really cool i wish he would just reissue all that merchandise because ever since he's came back it's mostly been really lackluster yeah a lot of that stuff was good yeah so uh brian and kane were attacked backstage early in the show which led to brian starting this match all by his lonesome and he did a pretty good job fighting off both of the bludgeon brothers before he couldn't take it anymore and then lo and behold out comes kane with a, a walking boot on and of course like any big it's gotta ma- be kane yeah they always get that line in they always get the line in. it's so scripted and then of course like any big red monster would do he finally reaches the ring and then he waits patiently for a tag to come into the match <laughs> which i thought was just like completely completely ridiculous um but yeah the bludgeon brothers retained justin i'll give you first dibs on this one what did you think of the match i've got a confession to make i I was putting my kid down during this match that is so i i did not see it i can't believe you did that during a daniel bryan match i i i I had to he's you know i named him after killian dane of sanity um (laughs) So with respect to that, you know, I I have to help my wife put him down. And uh, unfortunately, that was during this match. <laughs> All right, Bill, go ahead. Uh, I think my my favorite part of this match was a tweet I read. I was just looking for it, but couldn't find it. It was a it was a reply to Justin Henry. And it was, why doesn't Kane just shoot him with lightning? <laughs> like, he's out there in a walking boot. His buddy's getting beaten up. Use some of your magical powers. Yes. Well, seriously, like I didn't get that. He, he, he just hauls himself down to the ring, and then he just patiently waits on the apron. Like I was saying, like what the hell? This is a big red monster. Go in there and clean house. I don't get it. I didn't. I didn't really understand this match. I just feel like Daniel Bryan's return is being wasted. Like I get nervous every time he takes a bump, 
Like, just give me something meaningful. I don't know. I enjoy Team Hell No. It was the jump that springboarded Brian into, you know, after Team Hell No, it was okay, and he's off. Uh, I, I like it, but what is the point of this match and of this feud is my is my question. No, that, that's a good question because I thought something would happen in this match to lead, like, towards a SummerSlam direction, whether it was a Team Hell No split or the Miz getting involved or something. You know, they, they kind of hinted that's what we're all waiting for is this Brian-Miz feud. And I, I understand with Brian and the fact that he hasn't or allegedly he hadn't re-signed and maybe until tonight with WWE and they don't want to put all their eggs in his basket because he might leave in, on September 1st. That makes sense. But, Keep dreaming, Dave Meltzer. <laughs> but until he resigns, yeah, they're not they're not going to go full bore with him. But they got to pull the trigger on this feud with the Miz that everyone's waiting for. And it seemed like on SmackDown last week they kind of, you know, placed the seeds for that where Brian and the Miz went back and forth. Yet there's no, there's nothing in the finish of this match to to lead to a Miz feud. There really wasn't much to lead for a Kane feud. So I I don't really know what purpose this match served. Kane's about to be elected the mayor in like November of, of, right. of an American city. So how much longer does he have on TV? <laughs> yeah, and why wasn't his, why wasn't his security detail as the Republican candidate for mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, helping him out when the bludgeon brothers attacked him? <laughs> okay. No it's funny. It's funny that Bill brought that element up when they attacked Kane before the match. Well, they attacked both of them. But they, you know, they went after the ankle with Kane. They hit him harder. Did anyone think they were going to take him out of the match because Kane's Democratic opponent in that race called him out for being on WWE TV? That crossed my mind. <laughs> yes, it, it totally crossed my mind too. I'm like, wow, is Kane? Did he take that to heart? And he's not going to like wrestle. I, I thought that. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't like this feud. And kind of what Bill was saying. I just I don't know what the point of it is. Like Kane's not going to be around. Uh, the reason with the Miz, by the way, is the Miz was playing softball as part of the MLB All Star Game festivities tonight, so he couldn't be there and do the do the angle. So, uh, kind of bad luck, I guess. For that, I don't know. I guess they just didn't. They just thought it was more important for him to be playing in the celebrity softball game than run an angle tonight. Yeah. So, Hope. yeah. Hopefully. So, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say. Hopefully, if he's actually re-signed, it means they can do something more interesting with him than look, Team Hell No. This whole thing, look, he's gonna like. He's kind of laid it out, man. Like WWE tests him all the time, which New Japan would not do. Okay, uh, there's a reality show starring his wife that he gets to be on, and he gets to be a bigger TV star. He's just not. I I would be stunned if he left. I mean, this whole thing, like, oh, he's going to leave. Like, I get that that's maybe kind of why they've been dragging their feet with the booking. Because to me, they should have just gone to the Miz right away. People wanted it. And now it's it almost feels like it's would be cooled off if they started it soon. It, it's a case of waiting too long to get to where you should have been going. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, Look, I get if you hadn't known the story about him resigning and you watched the result tonight, you'd be like, whoa, okay, I guess Daniel Bryan's leaving. But I, he's going to stay. I, that being said, I don't know why the hell you have him eat the fall and not gain tonight. Yeah. Do you do you really think New Japan wouldn't test him? Nope. Why do you say that? Not as much, not as regular as WWE would, mm. as, as they do. 
I mean, I I think because they don't. I've always said they, that I I think he'll resign with WWE because at this point in his career, like uh, money wise and family wise, security wise, it makes the most sense. Um, but you know, if Brian wanted to live this like dream scenario where he lived out all these matches he hasn't gotten to do, it, it would make sense for him to leave for like a year or something. But I do think he would be tested on New Japan. I think there's all kinds of matches he could work in New Japan and. Triple I mean, no, A and ROH. Hold on, hold on. When I say tested, I mean like concussion protocol tested. I don't mean tested like. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like tested in the in the ring or something, like pushing oh. him to the limits kind of thing. Okay. No, no I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, the concussion protocol. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Another issue with this match too, the Bludgeon Brothers are not an interesting act to me. I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it. They've got a cool entrance, but it's just not an interesting act to me at all. Maybe someone can answer for this question for me about the Bludgeon Brothers. They're these big badasses. They're just intimidating looking. Like, they're scary looking dudes. Why do they need hammers? <laughs> like, they beat, the shit, they beat the shit out of everybody with their bare hands, yet they just carry around sledgehammers. <laughs> that is a very good point. <laughs> it just bothers me. Yeah, I I can't explain it. I I'm not the person that could do that for you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Someone had a uh, God. Where I'm trying to find this. Someone had a really funny point about that in uh, where I write on comicbook.com. We've got like a a Slack page where like all the employees chat with one another during the show. Mm-hmm. And someone was commenting about the Bludgeon Brothers earlier, and now I I can't find it. But he he had said something about like the Bludgeon Brothers look like steroided up power rangers with their ring outfits or something like that i thought that was pretty funny but yeah they're i don't get it either i don't know why you need hammers when you're the bludgeon brothers but yeah this this feud probably needs to end they need to get kane out of there because he's got a political campaign to run and uh yeah but but it's interesting though because you have daniel bryan losing to the bludgeon are you just gonna have a move on from that that seems odd i mean does he get another partner that's not kane I mean, does his, you know, brother-in-law, John Cena, come to help him? Yeah, that, no, that's true, because I don't know how they're going to follow this up, you know. Yeah, like because the Miz, because if the Miz had interfered, which was a kind of lo- a logical way to get to a Brian Miz feud, then it's like, well, okay, no one cares about Brian and the Bludgeons anymore. Yeah. Because it's Brian and Miz. But they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And was this, uh, was this the first loss Brian has taken? No, he lost Since- to... He lost to Samoa Joe. In, okay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. And the Miz in that in that gauntlet match. The Miz okay. pinned him um, when right. the Bludgeons attacked him. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I I guess Tuesday will really tell us the direction because I don't know where they're headed out of this. The the finish kind of surprised me because I thought if Miz wasn't going to be there, they'd at least play into some heat between Kane and Brian, and that didn't happen. So I don't know. Really don't know. Finish kind of confused me. So this led into the Raw women's title match where... Oh, no. oh wait a minute here. What about uh, uh, the great uh, Roman Reigns well, and the great Bobby Lashley? Yeah, we kind of discussed that one already, but you guys have any other comments on that one? I mean, the, the fans were not into it from the get-go, which this kicked off hour number two of the show, or I guess hours two to three of the show, I should say. It was like exactly the halfway point of the show. Really indifferent fans. I'd kind of like to rewatch the match with no volume, uh, like we were hinting at earlier, because I feel like it was a better match than you would get from watching it with audio. <laughs> but uh, 
it didn't start on the best direction. They did a lot of rest holds at the beginning, which were was a little confusing because when your audience is rebelling against the match, yeah. you know, rest holds are not really going to get them into it. Um, I did feel like maybe like the last five minutes of the match, they got the fans with them a little bit. Um, and then Lashley won clean. So if you hate Roman Reigns, we really don't have anything to complain about here. I mean, he's he's halfway into the show. He lost clean. Lashley's getting the push out of the match. I, for two bigger guys, it was probably you know a fairly good match. But I got to say, Reigns, you know, he does draw interest from the crowd, and that's what they're looking for right now. Positive, negative, they don't care. Bobby Lashley draws nothing from the crowd. I, I, I feel like Bobby Lashley, they don't care about. That's that's complete indifference, whereas with Reigns, they're either like cheering him or they're booing him, but they're invested in the character. I still feel like Bobby Lashley is just another guy. He's just Bob. What did you think about this match, Bill? Uh, yeah, I don't think it was as bad. Like If you were to just watch it casually, you'd just go, this is boring as all hell. The crowd's not into it. Just two big guys. I did think the last five minutes picked up, but I think yes. it's a better match. It's a better match than, uh, than maybe it looked at first. I just think these two guys don't mix. Like There's a spot for both of them, and maybe it's near the top of the card. But working together, their styles just didn't complement each other. And I just didn't really care all that much. There was a couple cool spots at the end. And then Lashley winning clean was a surprise. And I'm always down for surprises. Uh, but it, it was it was fine, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, C+. Yeah. Mr. Joint? Yeah, no, that's a pretty good uh, summation. Uh, my big concern is if the winner of this is supposed to be going on face Brock Lesnar, which is a whole nother conversation. I, I'm a bit worried, but it's uninspired to say the least. Yeah. And we're going to get an answer on Brock Lesnar, supposedly what tomorrow night he's, he's either got to agree to a title defense or show up on raw. Was that the, what was laid down? Or, yeah. Okay. So that, that's what hit me. It's like, he's either has, he has to show up, agree to a match or he's going to get stripped and in the crowd, which this should have been indicative of, you know, what we're going to be in store for. They cheered for him getting stripped of, which to me is like, that's the worst case scenario is him just getting stripped of the title and we never see him again. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it just shows the crowd's view of him as an act really that they just want, you know, get this over with, have him lose the universal title. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does I am, say something. I am. I was, I guess like the last defender of Brock. I really was fine with it because to me it went all the way back to beating Undertaker. And if it if he's the guy that beat Undertaker at WrestleMania, that means he is that good. He can just show up when he wants. I'm fine with it. He can do four suplexes and an F5, and that's his whole night. I was cool with it. Uh, I, I'm just – I'm over it. I, I can't defend it anymore. I was thinking, oh, would a strip even be that bad? Like, yes, it would. You don't even get the pop of him losing. Now you're like, we're we're to the point where we're popping for. Oh yeah, we don't even get to see someone go over on him. Like, I, I, is that where we are now? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that is where we are, unfortunately. Yeah, he's. We talk about it on the show a lot. I'm I'm pretty firm in the belief he's one of the worst WWE World Champions of all time, at this point. He's going to work. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing is with Bobby Lashley as the likely 
contender at SummerSlam. Man, I, I don't think the crowd's going to be that into that program personally. The hook is going to be Strowman with the briefcase, I think. That's the elephant in the room. Yeah. You know, will he cash it in? As for this match, look, I think they should have shaved the first five minutes off. It would have been great. They needed, instead of doing the rest holds, you mentioned this, Ryan, they needed to go straight to the power stuff. Because once they did that, the crowd was into it. And that's Mm -hmm. what this match should have been. I actually was looking forward to this match quite a bit. I thought the build was very good. Um, if, my they wife, just went, if they just went straight up like a Braun Samoa Joe match where it's just like two Transformers beating the crap out of each yes. other, I would have been all for that. I would have that would have that would have been great. It yeah, just, just yeah, it just started so boring. And when you add the crowd's indifference, like, OK, yeah, so no one cares, even the guys in the ring. Mm-hmm. And that's on the agents. You, you can't yeah. like with Roman. You know, we talk about it when Roman's not working against a, a quote unquote smart favorite. There is the danger of him losing the crowd early, and they cannot have these damn rest holds to start the match. He did, you know, he it happened against Joe at Backlash, and that match stunk. Um, it happened against Jinder, if I recall too. Just get right to it, man. Just start exchanging stiff clotheslines. Get up, you know who's tougher. That's what the crowd, you know, that's how this match should have been laid out. My wife, by the way, with maybe her best take ever on professional wrestling when this match started, it stunned me. I, I I was like, my God, I love you all over again. When she goes, oh, you know, they got to put the new guy over, right? Isn't, isn't that the way this works? I was like, my God, you're finally getting things. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good call. Did yeah, she actually I, I was, use the phrase put over too? Yes. Well, I, I say put over a lot. I always say, like, I, I'm always putting over. I'm like, let me put over my good friend Alan right now. So. <laughs> love it. And I was stunned this didn't close. Which I guess we can talk about later. No. Oh my God! Imagine the fans after yeah. three and a half hours if this closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not. I know they don't care, but imagine what would have happened. I guess maybe that was the concern, but I don't know. Closing, we'll, we'll we could say that, but I think closing with an Iron Man is is a bad idea. Yeah. All right, the Raw Women's Title Match: Nia Jax, Champion Alexa Bliss. You got Ronda Rousey at ringside. Um, I guess if anyone thought you'd get a title switch here, you're probably out to lunch on this one because there's no chance Alexa Bliss is dropping the title before SummerSlam. And we get to that uh, Ronda Rousey confrontation, which they've been building up perfectly. Uh, we talked about it on the post show last month with Money in the Bank. It was the perfect cash in where Alexa won the title. I think she's the perfect foil for Ronda Rousey as the heel, you know, arguably the best. Uh, I think, well, no, I think for sure the best uh, women's heel in the company. Carmella's done a pretty good job, but I think Bliss all around is a better heel. Um, And so, yeah, Rousey got involved in the match. Um, She chased around Mickey James and Alexa around the ringside area. But in the end, Alexa gets the win. She retains the title and uh, Rousey's suspension uh, expires soon. So... Probably no surprises really to anyone on this show on how this shook out, but uh, what did you think of the way they continued to build towards this eventual Alexa Bliss Ronda Rousey match? And do you guys think Nia Jax should be inserted into that match, or do you guys think it should be a singles match? What do you guys, or what do you think, Justin? Let me go to Justin first. Um, I'm gonna have a hard time buying into. Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey. I know, I know you're a big Alexa Bliss fan, but for me, it's... Sorry, I don't 
I was talking about Alexa <laughs> Bliss. Alexa. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happens Damn. all the time in my house. Yeah. What, what just happened? <laughs> my Amazon contraption oh, just started talking yes. to me when I, when I said somebody's name. Yeah. Yep. That I will just refer to as Bliss from here on out. Um, yeah, no, the, the match was fine. Um, I would still like to see Nia Jax involved because I just think she's been so underutilized in this entire feud. Uh, and I get the, you know, the chicken shit heel thing that uh, Blank Bliss has got going on, but I don't know. I, and he, just as an aside, it is kind of amazing. It, this is a total aside, but how uh, the way they've been booking Ronda Rousey is is the same thing that has gotten Roman Reigns booed to no end, but has somehow worked for her. I, I, maybe that's just a you know a fan thing. I don't know. Well, she's been a true heel though. Isn't that the difference? Ronda. Oh, I'm thinking Alexa. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I guess I guess with because uh, a lot of people think that Alexa is kind of forced, but I I I don't think so. I think she's I think she's a great heel, and I think Roman could be a good heel, but they've they've never really pulled the card on that. Uh, Rousey, yeah, there was a little bit of pushback with her um, early on from some of the fans, you know, like oh does she does she deserve to be in that spot because she's brand new to the business kind of thing? But oh, she's a massive star. Like you can't you yeah. can't go that route on Ronda Rousey. So yeah, I think uh Nia Jax, I don't really want to see her involved in the SummerSlam match. I'd rather see a straight match between Alexa and, and Ronda Rousey where I think Ronda would probably win the title right then and there. Um I, I do like Nia Jax, but I would actually have to say I think Nia Jax right now is is a little overrated. If we're going to talk about overrated characters in the women's division, I don't think she's been particularly interesting of late, and uh, I'm just not really invested in that character. I don't know what uh, Bill or Kyle think on that. Bill, I want to go to you. Uh, yeah, when you talk about Nia, like I've seen her have good matches. I do think she's coming along still. Like maybe she was called up a little early, just in terms of a polish standpoint. But I've that you can tell different stories with her, and she's just so much different from all the other women. I think she is an asset. Um, but you just see her in experience sometimes. Just the timing on a uh, on a toss on Alexa tonight. She goes to throw her onto a trash can, and I don't know who messed up, but it happens with Nia a lot. I feel like just timing on little moves where it's like, oh my god, I thought you were going to kill her. Because, you know, you didn't get her all the way around and she almost missed everything completely. But I, I think it's it's fine. I, I'm a big Alexa mark. I really think Alexa's great. And as a heel champ, I think she's doing a great job. Um, I think she's Carmella, but can actually, like, get in the ring and perform. Um, I think there's a little bit of a believability issue. Like, uh, if we're going to get Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss in the ring together at SummerSlam all right, the odds are really against Alexa. If all of a sudden Nia Jax is a triple threat, both of them then have this, you know, immovable object uh, sort of thing they have to contend with. So I think maybe that's maybe a better route. But I was fine with the match tonight. It was what it was. It was the only Extreme Rules match on the card, right? Yeah, that's for sure. 
Kyle. the only Extreme Rules match at Extreme Rules. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Kyle? Uh, I think the issue with Nia is, you know, they kind of got flippy floppy with her in that when they started that Ronda feud, she began a heel turn that just went away. And now she's, you know, supposed to be a baby face opposite Alexa. And her issue in the division as a whole with the landscape is Ronda's more over than her as a baby face. Alexa's more over her than her as a heel. So she's the proverbial third wheel. And guess what? My Alexa just went off now. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm with you. I think, Ryan, that I would prefer just the straight up match between Bliss and Ronda. But <laughs> let's just call her the, Bliss from now on. Yeah, or Lexi. Sure. Yeah. But the, the issue is you probably you have to if you do that match, Ronda's gotta win. Uh, you, you can put all the window dressing you want, but I just don't think the crowd will buy Alexa Bliss pinning Ronda Rousey. And I don't think they should do that, to, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um, it, she can't, uh, right? Yeah. Like, right. It, 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 we talk about Carmella beating Oscar, and you can get away with that. That's traditional cheating heel victories. The crowd, I just don't think, will buy Alexa Bliss beating Ronda Rousey in a one on one situation, which is where Nia could come in if, if you want to extend the thing. Okay, fine. And she, She's in there and she eats the fall. Mm-hmm. But um, as for this match, I thought just like the SmackDown Women's match, it was totally overbooked. It was not very good. Uh, I think the as far as going from point A to point B, with point B being the Alexa Ronda SummerSlam match, it was completely uninspired because I don't know how storyline wise you have a suspended Ronda Rousey come out of a crowd and then be rewarded with a title shot. <laughs> that is like, a very it, good point. Yes. It, it just makes no sense. Like there was no real precipitous for her jumping out of the crowd. Okay, fine. Like her good friend Natty was getting her ass kicked, but I mean like <laughs> No, yeah. That, I mean that if, wasn't if, enough. if this is real sports, it's like you're still suspended and you got involved, so you're suspended another month or two, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I I don't know how they'll get there. I guess they just with this, they just assumed everyone knew where they were going and they just didn't really try to tell a compelling story to get there. Because I I I actually thought this was actively bad. Yeah. No, I I do think that for the first time since Alexa's been a champion on the main roster, um, and by the way, my Alexas are both upstairs, so it's not getting triggered right now. So I'll continue to call her Alexa. Uh, I do think she's she's kind of serving in the transitional champion role right now, which she hasn't really before, um, and that she would have to lose, I think, to Rousey right away because there there definitely is a believability factor. I think I think there's other women in the division that would have even less of a believability uh, rating versus Ronda Rousey. But I think Bliss, just because of her stature and everything, like they would have to tell a good backstory. Like, okay, here's here's a woman who was like a power lifter and stuff at one point in her life, but nobody really knows that. They haven't really talked about that in WWE TV, so they just see Bliss as like a, a five-foot champion who's really small and has always pretty much been a heel on the main roster, so she couldn't compete against Ronda Rousey. And so she would... She would have to lose, I think, in the initial match, and so yeah, I think I think she definitely is serving as a a transitional champion here. I think it's best as a singles match, and I think she's a great heel to play off a of Rousey, and uh, it should be a pretty highly anticipated match at SummerSlam. But we'll have to see how they get there. So uh, that should definitely be the direction they're going. So that that match served as the transition to the WWE Championship match, which did not close the show. Uh, where we had Rusev, and uh, probably his highest-profile match since he was feuding with John Cena, 
taking on AJ Styles and um fairly good match I thought um got a good amount of time in the in the semi main event slot of course AJ again retained the title this really was not a surprise you didn't really think AJ Styles who's held the title now since what November was going to lose it at Extreme Rules so he retained and uh, I think the rumor is AJ might be wrestling Samoa Joe at SummerSlam Ooh. Um, who was not on this show. But, uh, Kyle, what did you think of this match? I thought this was the best match on the show. Uh, the false finishes really worked because both guys have multiple moves they use as finishers. Take note of that, WWE agents. Yes. They didn't have to prostitute their one move. You know, they, they use different stuff. Um, and, and it really worked. There were a couple false finish bits that I bought. Um, and it looks like Rusev Day could be breaking up as they continue to fight this crowd cheering Rusev. Because with the uh, Aiden English interference backfiring, and they never really did touch on that promo that Lana cut. What was it? God, it's a couple months ago almost at this point. So maybe they just dropped that. But I don't know. I, I could I could see them maybe putting the kibosh on Rusev Day. As a team. Yeah. Uh, Justin. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good match. It was exactly what I kind of wanted it to be, where I wasn't ready for a Rusev title run, uh, but I wanted him to have a good showing, and I think he did. Um, <clears throat> and just kind of an interesting fact I, I heard recently is, I don't know if he has already surpassed it or is about to surpass it, but just as wrestling fans, as far as, like, title prestige goes and rose tinted glasses uh, i'm pretty sure aj styles is about to pass sean michaels for combined combined days as a uh, champion that's wow. interesting i would not have guessed that but yeah it makes sense i guess sean's uh his championship runs were what confined to uh 96 to 98 and then uh that brief period in 02 yeah, the that one that one one or two month run. Yeah, that's I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like yeah, two of his title run runs were one month. The second one in ninety seven, where he lost a smile. And then yeah, <laughs> the, the the comeback in O two was was a month. He won it at Survivor Series, he lost it at the next pay per view in the three stages of hell yeah. match. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. I I do think uh AJ is, you know, as far as the smart fans go, if if you're looking for that style of champion, God, he's had the belt for a long time, and uh, he continues to reign. Maybe this is a minority opinion. I usually have him, but man, I, I would kind of like to see Almas in the challenger roll over Samoa Joe. Yeah, oh, I second that. I I would like it, but I don't know how they get there in just a couple of weeks. I mean, it's not like. Yeah, it's not like Joe has like a ready-made. It's not like they tease that. I mean, to be honest, I mean they could have had Almas just run out and like kick his ass after the match. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, that could have been the story. But, yeah, that's you know. true. That that actually that would have worked for sure. Uh, I'm just saying, like as far as a guy who is just on the kickoff show versus that's a guy true. who, when he's on yeah. the show, is is usually in the in the top main that's to semi mains position. But no, I I agree. I've I've seen Joe and AJ work a lot, you know, in TNA in the past, and I think they'll have a really good match. But almost probably for me, who's watched wrestling for a long time, that would be a a more intriguing match to see because I haven't seen it. So, mm. um, Bill, what did you think of the match? 
in terms of just straight storytelling, professional wrestling match, I thought, yes, this was by far the best one in the card. I didn't think necessarily there was much to get the fans out of their seats until that uh, the 450 splash false finish. But overall, beginning to end, very enjoyable. You have, you know, Rusev with his power. You have AJ with the experience and the skill, and it's just that clash. Uh, and they're just telling those stories, AJ chopping down the the stronger guy. I thought it all just worked really, really well. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I also thought this was the best match on the card. Um, going in, I would have thought for sure the next one would have been the best match on the card. But for me, the crowd pretty much spoiled it as we've gotten into earlier in the show tonight. But uh, yeah, that th- the 30-minute Iron Man match that main evented the show, which I thought going in, I didn't tweet it, but I thought about saying... You know, this is the match that rightfully should be in the main event slot because Rollins and Ziggler have probably had the best in-ring feud, at least, of the year in WWE at this point. Like, they've had some really great matches over the last few weeks and months. But, yeah, the crowd, for me, just ruined this match. It was incredibly annoying the way they counted down every minute. And uh, also, I just felt like a 30-minute Iron Man match is just kind of a ridiculous predicament to begin with like Rollins is a guy who they even talked about in the match worked like an hour on raw when they had that gauntlet yeah, like match. a couple of weeks ago <laughs> yeah. yeah so for for them to call like a 30 minute match an iron man match when like their pay-per-view main events routinely go 20 minutes is a little bit of a stretch and uh when you've got three falls and like eight minutes right away to start the match it's just kind of like eh, this is this is already getting kind of old like what's the point at this point uh not a fan of the match at all um i know we've talked about the wrestlemania 12 match before which i liked i know kyle you're not a fan of that match because they went 60 minutes without a single fall but i do think like when you have three falls in eight minutes that's a little ridiculous like that that right there kind of just takes me out of the match to begin with if it's just going to be fall after fall after fall and what did this end at like five to four or something like that or three yeah or four four well four four actually it's four four and then five to four was after the the sudden death but that which that is another point so michael cole's out there like oh i guess it's a draw and dolph ziggler retains the title like holy shit one of the most famous iron man matches in company history was a draw and they of course they had sudden death so you should know they were going to sudden death uh, which they did, and yeah, boy, did that suck even worse. <laughs> that God, did that finish suck? Yeah, this I, I, it, it would have been better had they just done a draw. I'll be honest with you. I love somebody tweeted. I don't even know what the guy's name was. It just appeared in my feed. So he's like, you know, that wasn't the finish the crowd wanted, but it was the finish the crowd deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this that's true. This terrible crowd. Yeah, it's. Uh... I guess in the main event slot, I would have probably expected Rollins to be winning the belt or something more major to be happening. Like uh, Justin teased on her Twitter feed that maybe Ambrose would make an appearance. Mm-hmm. That didn't that didn't happen. It just... I really thought Ambrose was going to be the third man. <laughs> yeah, it just turn on side. But whose side is he on? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was kind of an anticlimactic uh, feeling to the show, I thought, which wasn't a particularly good show to begin with. But the way it ended was definitely not on a high note. Uh, Justin, what did you think of the match? Okay, so a couple things that you've hit on is 30-minute Ironmans definitely work. Uh, we've seen uh, Steamboat and Rick Rude have a phenomenal one. Love that callback. Uh, the problem with this one is that 
they worked the first like 10 to 12 minutes like it was the first 40 minutes of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels where it was just so slow. And if you're, if you're only working with 30 minutes, you got to go fast and they just took their time. And that's, I, okay. I hate that crowd, but I can't hundred percent blame them for what they were doing with the way that match was worked in a four hour show. Um, the match would have benefited from them being a little bit more engaged with it, but or would have benefited that, from being earlier in the show. I think I, you cannot main event a four plus hour show with an Iron Man match. I don't care how good their previous uh, matches have been. I, I I disagree. It just depends on how on uh, on how it's booked. This one, yeah. If if this was how they were going to book it, it shouldn't have main evented. I I don't understand if they knew how this was that this match was going to be booked this way. Why they just wouldn't have gone with AJ Rusev. Maybe they thought that was going to be too anti-climatic, but there's no, I have no problems with all the falls. It was just the pacing for me, I suppose was the problem. Well, don't you think though, that there's a believability factor with this match where when they have that many falls so early in the match, it kind of takes you out of the believability. Like, Okay, so at the end of the match, they just can't get a fall. Like, over and over, they're trying and trying, they can't get a fall. But they had all these falls, like, eight minutes into the match, like I said earlier. Isn't that kind of ridiculous? Well, the like, way they did it no, was creative. They, with yeah, all, no, yeah. With uh, Drew. With Drew, it was actually creative, I thought, how they did that. With with the McIntyre DQ leading to multiple Ziggler fall, finite falls. I don't know. I just, I just feel like a 30-minute match... I think a 30-minute Iron Man match can work, but I feel like... If there's going to be quick falls over and over, it should happen like on the back end of the match, not the front end. Yeah, I was a little, it seemed, yeah, to me, it's a little the believability issue. Like we talked about Seth, he works 25 minutes all the time from the, I wrote it down from 2520 to 1550. There were seven falls. That's less than 10 minutes like that. I I don't know. It just, it, it seems, it seems Okay, they but, don't get pinned that regularly. But yeah. what were those? What were those falls? They were almost all roll ups or like out of nowhere finishers. Wasn't the first or, fall or uh, curb stomp? Wasn't the first fall a curb stomp? No, I think the first one was a roll up, and yeah, then first it was, one was a, a curb stomp, and then the curb stomp right after that, and then the disqualification. Yeah, and then Ziggler started getting them back because of the disqualification. That's, See, I that, love, that all made I sense. Love, I loved the psychology of the DQ and I liked Seth chasing it at the end. All of a sudden he needed one to get it tied. I liked all that. I just felt seven falls in 10 minutes is just too many. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at, too. I agree. Well, it was odd the way they did it, that they booked, you know, all those falls to occur in that tight window and then nothing else otherwise. I mean, you know, I mean, I do like that they made it important because when. Drew got ejected. I was like, oh, they made a big deal about him being at ringside, you know, winning that Raw match on Monday. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to eject him anyway. I'm like, but then at least, you know, him being down there and beating the crap out of Seth played significantly into the match. I just, Dolph Ziggler confirmed is very overrated. You know, I mean, these people <laughs> who think this guy is like this underrated, untapped, you know, resource WWE doesn't use enough. Stop it. Um, and, and I'm just going to really stick to my guns. I, I just think that it was a colossal error closing this show with this match. What would you have closed it with? 
Roman and Lashley. Ooh. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know how that would have gone over. See, that's the thing. is that <laughs> That's the problem with this card, is that there was no main event. Well, I, I would have gone Rusev AJ, personally. Roman and Lashley was pushed as the main event. Like, yeah, you no, know, yeah, I, I mean, I would have done that. I mean, again, you know, I mean, I think no matter what match you're going to stump for, you're probably going to say, well, I, it should have been this, but I would have done it differently. And I would say the same for Roman and Lashley, too. Yeah, but as bad as the crowd was during that match, would you really wanted to close the show the with that? Was that terrible? Like, it was. Well, I mean, the, what? I mean, it's better than the crowd going ten nine. I mean, it's. I mean, I mean well, that's that, better. That's true. That's true. But it it was Reigns and Lashley was booing Reigns, chance against Reigns to when Lashley was on offense, dead silence. I don't know. I think if you would have just started out and made it a big hoss brawl, I think it would have been fine. And, and it think... was the it was the push to main event too. That's like the big thing. Like all the like the promotion, like the videos, was centered around that match. I think if if they close with Roman Lashley, yeah, they could have done the big Haas brawl and it could have been a good match. The problem with it would have been the videos of people leaving. Like last time they ended with Roman. Like I just think that would have been the bigger deal. It's that oh man, the arena like a quarter of the people just left. Yeah. No, I think. I think if Rollins was going to win the IC title, that was a good finish. But with Ziggler winning yeah. the way he won, not a good main event slot. So I think in that situation, you go the traditional route, WWE title match that headlines the show. Rusev, AJ, the fans like both of these guys. AJ retains. Fans go home ha- happy, and that's that. I just don't think that one was pushed. Like I agree with you because it's a WWE title match, but I just don't think it was like pushed hard enough. No, it wasn't. Probably but, yeah. not. Yeah. But ju- I, th- yeah. I think just because of the visual of, okay, AJ Styles, our franchise player on SmackDown, is lifting the title, we're cutting out, mm-hmm. and everyone goes home happy. Yeah. Based, at least you would have that. Yeah. Based on the way that every match was booked, yes, there is an argument. If, if you're just taught, if you take these matches the way they were booked and we mm-hmm. watch them, and you have to then say, look, you can't change the matches yeah. at all. Okay. Yes, there is a very compelling argument for AJ Rusev based on the fact that it was a world title match. Um, it was a good match. Um, it had a clean finish that would kind of send the crowd home happy. Yes, I, I think there is an argument based on what we saw. I just think that if you know if you want people to buy Bobby Lashley as this number one contender for Brock Lesnar, that's another reason that he should go on last. You know, he wins the main event. Mm-hmm. True. I just feel like the fan revolt thing. Like I, as someone who likes Roman at this point, that I can just point to it and say, "Look, Roman Reigns was on in the middle of the show. He didn't win. You guys still hate him. You know, like they didn't they didn't force feed him to you. There's no reason to hate Roman on this show, even though people will. I think that was that was a good slot for that match. It, it maybe could have gone on like the third hour to start the third hour, but uh, I I just wouldn't have put it in the main event slot. Here's my issue, okay? So all these people who – and we talked about this at the top. We're coming full circle. The people who protest, give us something else. We don't want Roman. We're, we're going to hit beach balls until you give us something else as the main event. Well, WWE gave you another main event, and what did you do? Acted oh, like and complete that's, freaking tools. That's what they and did. And that's my that's that's a huge that's a huge issue I have with the crowd tonight is listen, maybe the thirty minute Iron Man match isn't the best formula. Like I feel like just go two out of three falls and we don't know when the match ends. Like, I don't know, it's a little more dramatic to me that way, but like you have Ziggler, you have Rollins, these are the guys you all want. Like I, I think that's just a a big issue for 
everyone who books this stuff is like, well, okay, what do the fans want? The fans don't even know what the fans want at this. At least the vocal minority, as they like yes. to call them, you know, don't know what they want at this point. The bookers cannot ch- be chasing the vocal minority pops no, because no. The, the, they'll drive themselves crazy because it's impossible to satisfy those people. But I love I love the idea of the Intercontinental Championship headlining just because I've always thought, especially Raw, it's a variety show. Like we were talking about the tag titles. We have plenty of comedy there. The universal title is this mythical thing that like Goldberg and Lesnar have and nobody else. It never gets defended. So it's 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 whatever. It's for casual fans who just turn, tune in because they liked Brock and UFC, I guess. And then the Intercontinental Championship. All right, you're going to give me Seth Rollins in the main event for 30 minutes. I'm for that. That's for me. So if it's in the main event, I like it because that's what I tune in for. But yeah, the booking of the match was poor. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. You guys pretty much hit the nail on the head there. So, so I know Brett and Davey did it obviously in Wembley Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the most famous matches in, in company history. But apparently, there was one other time when there was it was an Intercontinental Title match headlined. Give me the give and me the year. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can figure it out. Do you know the year or when? It no, happened? I don't. Somebody somebody like there was like this like a pro wrestling facts like Twitter feed or something was like yeah I this saw is, they they're like this is the third time. Uh, well, they're like there have been six times when the Intercontinental Title has been on the line uh, in a main event, but like a few of them I guess were champion like Hogan Warrior yeah. like which does a couple. But like apparently there were three just straight up Intercontinental Title matches closed the show. Um, one is obviously, you know, Brett and Bulldog that comes right to mind. I don't know what the other one is. I saw somebody tweet it and now I can't find it. Damn it. Um, did Sean ever headline with the IC title? Like in 95, maybe? No, like, uh, the Jeff Jarrett match didn't go on last and nor did the Razor. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that, I have no idea. Yeah, since we can't remember it, it obviously happened in the last ten years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we yeah we talk about that all the time, where we go back to the '90s and like we can remember every freaking show, <laughs> and I can't, I cannot think of anything. So, well, it was it was an interesting slot to put the IC title match in. Uh, it probably didn't end the way we wanted it to, but uh, it was a little bit different, and uh, to say the least, that was WWE Extreme Rules. So. We'll see uh, what happens this week, Monday and Tuesday. That'll give us something to talk about on Thursday. But before we get there, Kyle, <laughs> we have to address the elephant in the room. Now, Bill, I don't know if you've read the book. A um, couple months ago, we had friend of the pod, Liam O'Rourke, who wrote the uh, highly regarded biography on Brian Pillman. Which uh, crazy like a fox? The definitive biography of Brian Pillman. It is sitting on my shelf right now. I haven't actually cracked it. It's one of my uh, beach reads for this oh, summer. There we go. So you do own it. So that's props yes, for yes. that because it is a fantastic read. It is legitimately one of the best wrestling books I have read in years, probably decades. And yeah, Liam did an excellent, excellent job in in uh, researching the life of Brian Pillman, one of his heroes. Talk to all the sources you could possibly talk to, you know, the players involved in all of his storylines, um, uh, family members, what have you. And uh, by all accounts, it's it's one of the best wrestling biographies ever written. And this week, one of the players in the Brian Pillman story went on a his own podcast and addressed 
Brian Pillman and what happened in the loose cannon period of Brian Pillman's career in uh, late 95, early 1996. And it actually covered Pillman's, well, you know, mostly 93 to 96. When yeah. It's off, was, yeah. you know, in power in the company. Right. They did talk a little bit about, you know, before. But, but, the, uh, but that loose cannon period is going to be the, the controversial period. And uh, I assume I, I did not listen to the podcast. I could not bring myself to listen to this. But uh, Kyle, you listen to it and you and Liam have known each other for a long time. And uh, I know you have some thoughts on what you heard on the what is it? The 83 weeks podcast. OK, yeah. So a couple caveats here. One, you just mentioned it. Liam, you know, he just wasn't a guest of the show. I've known Liam for a long time. I consider him a friend. Uh, met him at WrestleMania two years ago in Orlando or a year and a half, whatever. Um, so. You know, I think I intimated to you even last week when we did the show that when Bischoff was doing uh, the, the the topic of Pillman on 83 Weeks, I was like, oh, boy. I, I just knew based on, you know, how, what his modus operandi has been on the show, the gimmick he's running, there was going to be he was going to be critical of Liam's book. So that kind of, you know, just as a friend of Liam, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, just knowing that, knowing the kind of hard work he put in. Then when I heard about what he said, I got real hot. So my buddy Chad texted me. He's like, you got to listen to this podcast. You're going to probably want to drive and fight Bishop. And I was like, all right, let me put it on. I'm, I'm going to the gym tomorrow morning. I'll put it on when I go. Um, caveat number two, unlike Eric Bishop, I do my homework. Okay. I listen to the three whole three hour pod, three plus hour podcast. Uh, not like him who, you know, just went off about the book despite not reading it, only getting notes from his co-host Conrad Thompson, uh, which by the way, is ironically the exact same thing he criticizes Dave Meltzer for. Yeah, that's one. I enjoy 83 weeks. I think all these, you know, guys, old school guys telling their stories are now just working us. They're just telling us their angle still. I enjoy 83 weeks, but it is really like frustrating when he's just like, I don't know. I don't remember. Like, bro, what else? Like, you knew you're doing this topic, right? (laughs) Okay. So, so I love that you said that because well, my issue was so like he credit well, oh, Meltzer wasn't there. He's getting this from a source and he's just these or, or all these guys, these dirty people. They just repeat things secondhand. Well, what are you doing? You didn't read the book. OK. And yes, Conrad gave you reliable notes. And I'll talk about Conrad in a second because I actually got a lot of respect for him during the podcast. This particular episode, um, you know, he just went off some notes. Oh, the entire book sucks. This is shit. It, it, you know, he was saying these things. I got hot. And, you know, what Bill just said, it's so funny. Um, I listened to that three hour podcast and I learned absolutely nothing from it. Now, granted, I, you know, fashioned myself to someone who's pretty knowledgeable um, on pro wrestling, but it is. It, it was easily the worst professional wrestling well, while we're throwing around distinctions, you know, Bischoff called this like the worst book he'd ever seen or something like that. The 83 weeks episode of Brian Pillman, I'm not lying, is the single worst pro wrestling podcast I've ever heard in my entire life. I learned nothing three hours not one thing and it was like bill said you know anytime conrad would try to bring anything up and this goes for multiple episodes not just the pillman one bischoff doesn't know or he deflects misdirection i mean there were a dozen examples where you know conrad even got frustrated in the show this is where i gained respect for him that he's like you know people complain about the show i'm trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit here because i'm asking you questions and you just want to rip on Meltzer, but you don't offer any counterpoints because you can't remember anything and, Ryan, you remember before this whole controversy started, okay, three weeks ago, it was the one where we were in person where I was in Iowa. I criticized that show 
This is before any of this stuff with Liam happened, saying that this one, and to a lesser extent, the Pritchard show, seemed to exist primarily so these guys can get up on a hill and yell fake news at Dave Meltzer. And, you know, given Bischoff's shitty politics that he writes on Twitter, that's not a surprise that he would do that, okay? The only thing shittier than his booking in 1998 is his shitty politics, okay? (laughs) So fake news is not a a surprise for someone like him. But it was just so frustrating to listen to this. He had no answers. There were some things he did specifically address, but for the most part, he just didn't. Like, he got so mad when... Uh, and a story that Honky Tonk Man, quote, walked out of WCW in 1994. Okay, because he refused to do a job to Johnny B. Bad. That's something a lot of people have heard before. And Bischoff went up, I fired that hillbilly's ass. What is this guy talking about? He walked out. It's like, dude, you're just taking words and, like, making it in this big thing. And Yeah, like, when you walk out of work, you get fired. Th- yes, those two exactly. things aren't... Those two things aren't, like, mutually exclusive. It's usually what happens. You know, CM Punk walked out, and then they sent him his release. And another thing I have, and this applies to... Bruce, by the way, is better. It's a better show. He at least entertains. He knows his source material. He at least seems to have done the homework. Um, It's a more entertaining broadcast. And and I've listened to multiple Bischoff ones. This is by far the worst. And that's confirmed by multiple people. If you if you if you go around to like the message boards that I look at and stuff, people who review this stuff, everyone was pr- I was very relieved because obviously I was biased, but I was very relieved to read the universal repudiation of this particular episode. It, uh, is, how terrible. You're doing I, I like I want to not listen to it because if it's just him saying I don't know for two and a half hours, like that's going to bother me. But it's almost like Hogan Warrior in 98. It's so bad, you have to see it. Like, now I have it queued up, and I'm going to listen to it after this. Well, I mean, like, for me, like, I was just getting fired up because he was attacked. Yeah, Liam, yeah. But you literally are nothing. Like, he, he, here's the perfect thing. Conrad Thompson describes the the famous I Respect You Booker Band strap match, okay? And, you know, the three of us probably just know exactly how that went down, okay? But maybe you don't know that. He's like, okay, this happened. And he's like, all right, Eric, tell us more. Well, it's pretty much the way you just told it, Conrad. Like, that's the <laughs> shell. Like, like if you're going to rip people for their product, do a better job, Eric, because your podcast fucking sucks, to be very blunt. And, like, he goes uh, – and, and here's what really gets me. And this goes, this does apply to Bruce, too. They always talk about the rumor and innuendo, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever notice they never disagree when it's about someone else? Like, so they start the episode talking about – some stuff about Bill Watts, you know, who was, you know, for all intents and purposes, Bischoff's predecessor running WCW. There was kind of a, a, a period in between where Bischoff wasn't totally in control. But, you know, it was basically Bill Watts was running the company before Bischoff. And, you know, all Liam's stories about Bill Watts. Oh, oh yeah, Eric. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah I could see that picture. The, the story that Pillman tell that was, you know, reported to tell that when Watts is like, you need to take a pay cut. And Pillman, or, or I'm just going to job you out. And Pillman's like, no, thanks. I'll be the highest paid jobber of all time. Oh, yeah, that, yeah I'm sure that's true. You know, but when it applied, when it, any story that made Bischoff look bad, oh, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> and that's, with that for, and like, again, I like Bruce's show a lot too. And I just listen to it mostly for entertainment. Like, I'm not going to listen to one guy's story and just, oh, that's the history. Like, I, I just find that stuff entertaining. But yeah, when when that happens, I feel like, they always believe the stories about other people, 
because when they go on and say, you know, it's always, you know who their sources are? People putting themselves over. I guarantee it's because half the time they got that story from Eric. Like, he, they all, they've said, yeah, I've talked to him. Like, maybe not Eric specifically, but someone goes, well, yeah, of course I buried Bill Watts. I wanted his job. Like, I always think, well, yeah, I believe that story because I gave him that story. Like, no, the one about me isn't true because it came from somebody else who wanted my job the way I did it to them. I, I, the only thing that I can say with 100% validity Eric Bischoff was accurate on during this podcast is when he said the MGM in Vegas is too overcrowded and it's hard to get to your room. That, that is true. <laughs> I will confirm that. that is absolutely, I've stayed in that hotel before. It is very horrible to get to your room. I agree. I, I just, you know, three hours, you learn nothing about Brian Pillman in that show. I felt bad for Conrad Thompson. I, I thought he was going to like throw him the towel and just like quit in the middle of it. It was just so bad. <laughs> So, I mean, you can judge for yourself. I'm biased, but just in absolutely, while people are just, you know, want to disparage things that people put hard work into, um, I'll, I'll disparage something that, you know, at least one of the two participants of the podcast put no work into and say 83 weeks episode of Brian Pillman, the worst single podcast maybe I've ever heard in the history of pro wrestling. Two fan, two, you, you know, coming from me, Ryan, you know how, what a criticism this is. Two Johnny New Japan fanboys could wax poetic and give us think pieces about Okada Omega. And that I would find that more enjoyable than 83 <laughs> weeks. <of my laughs> oh God. I love it. No, it, no, it's, it's kind of mind boggling to me when I, when I heard your review of the show, because Bischoff is kind of known for having a terrible memory on yes. that period in wrestling, like widely regarded as that. I don't, I don't remember what the show was, but he was on the WWE network uh, a year or two ago, and they were talking about like what had happened with Bret Hart when he came over to WCW after the Survivor Series, and like he didn't remember anything. And it's like, how do you freaking not remember what was happening at the time? Bret Hart came into WCW off one of the most famous stories to ever happen in the professional wrestling industry, and you don't know what happened, and you don't know why you didn't book him against Hogan right away, and you gave away all this money, and I, I've heard you say this before, Kyle. Why Eric Bischoff booked Road Wild for free in Rapid City, South Dakota every year and didn't get any profit off of that whatsoever. Like the guy's memory and just business sense during that period leaves a lot to be regarded as being terrible. And yeah, he does he doesn't have he doesn't have a very good memory for what happened in the late nineties. And clearly with what happened with uh Brian Pillman, I feel like a big part of it is he doesn't want to admit that Pillman was kind of working him during oh, that period? Oh, 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 we didn't even get to that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, here was the kick. Okay, you got to listen for this, Bill. He claims that he could not justify to his superiors the contract demands Brian Pillman wanted. So his great scheme was, well, I'm just going to let him go to the WWF then and sign him back. <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense oh you know what i'm in like a group chat with some of my friends who are into wrestling they listen to all these shows i haven't listened to it yet they have and that's the first thing they said They're like that is complete there's no way there's just no way that that's true it's like there's just absolutely no way oh yes here wwf have some like there's no chance no it's it's such bullshit and if if you listen if you read the book that liam wrote which is I got to tell you, like, as I was a history major in college, I teach history. I'm really good into, like, 
it's important to me that people cite their sources and are accurate with what they're writing. And like this book that Liam wrote on Pillman is so accurately cited. He went to all the sources that he could that were there in the time period. And like everything is very, very accurate. Like there's no way you could doubt anything he writes in this book. And when Bischoff rips the book, it clearly comes off as a guy who doesn't want to look bad. And Brian Pillman, who was like this legendary mind in pro wrestling at the time, who was so ahead of the ball game, so clearly worked Eric Bischoff <laughs> into trying. Like Pillman was trying to get a good contract, and he he clearly wanted to re-sign with WCW at the time. But like he was making he was making Bischoff feel at the time like Bischoff was in on the act, like they were working the boys and everything, and Bischoff was in on it, but he didn't know that Pillman was also working him in the process to try to get a better contract. And I think when the, when it comes back to it here and we're looking back at it 20 years later, he doesn't want to admit that Pillman worked the shit out of him. And that's, that's pretty much where we're getting to right now. And Conrad, God bless his soul, calls him out for it. He's like, Eric, do you know how stupid that story sounds? He's like, you're going to let a guy go in the middle of the Monday night wars. And, and Bischoff, this speaks to his memory and his lack of preparation, by the way. Uh, he goes, we weren't in the middle of a war. What, what year are we talking about again? And Conrad Thompson's like, fucking 1996. <laughs> like, this, was, this was the same period you just signed Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and <laughs> did a storyline declaring war. Oh, oh that, that shit. Uh, did you, it was a couple weeks ago, but Bischoff trying to say that the story of the NWO was not, in fact the WWF invasion, but two former workers who were coming back to prove a point that they were this good the whole time. Oh my God. <laughs> it, I just started fucking lit. I couldn't, I'm Watch sorry. the TV. I can't phone. say that word here. No, but. Tr- trust me. I've broken that wall okay. long ago on this show, <laughs> yeah. but watch the TV. They yes! literally are portraying themselves as, you know, they're using the scheme gene, the nacho man. They're talking about the billionaire Ted sketch and they literally say, you want a war, you got a war. Yeah, yeah like, and it, it was so it was so I'm like, you know what? This may have flown in a court of law when you were trying to skirt the skirt, you know, the whole gimmick infringement and all the copyright and everything. But straight up, come on, you know what the storyline was like. This was supposed to be the WWF. It's why Hogan made sense. That's why Hogan made sense with these two guys, like the whole thing. And he'd lost a lot of credibility with me on that one. Yeah. And. Here's a guy, the show's presented, here's the guy who beat Vince McMahon for 83 weeks. You listen to the show, you're like, how the fuck did this guy beat Vince McMahon for one week? (laughs) You know, 83 weeks. Give me 35 and a half years. Vince McMahon, how's your territory? (laughs) (laughs) Wake me up. The next time I – the only time I will ever listen to 83 weeks again is if they do the Gold Club because that will be an interesting one. But, you know, these these WCW subjects – he doesn't even do a song. It's one thing. Oh, man. That's a good reference right there. Google that one. Yeah. (laughs) I get that you can't remember. Look, okay? Uh, There's stuff I forget every day, okay? But, like, you can do research for the podcasts. No, but like I'm saying, he doesn't remember like some of the biggest stories that happened yeah. in the in the time period. And yeah. like it's not like it's ten years ago. You can just log into the network and find it. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't like, it watch- ain't hard to find. Yeah. I, I mean Bruce Pritchard, to his credit, remembers the stuff. Like if they're talking about a specific show, and if he did forget it, because some of those shows for him are longer, some of them are thirty years old. 
he at least makes a point to go rewatch the show. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a free download, but Jesus, man, I just, just piss poor Eric Bischoff. Yeah. No, not surprising. Uh, I'm glad you listened to it so we could have some feedback on that. But uh, it's it's just another good opportunity for us to recommend Crazy Like a Fox by Liam O'Rourke. Yes. Great book. Very I'm well more excited. I'm more excited to read the book than ever. So I'm probably going to start that this week. Uh, you will not be able to put it down. You'll finish it within a week. Awesome. <laughs> for sure. It is very well researched. Very good. Very accurate facts presented in a logical way. And... Uh, yeah, I got nothing but great things to say about that. Um, hopefully, we can get Liam back on Top Rope Nation in the mm-hmm. in the uh, coming days or weeks. We're kind of working on that, so we'll we'll send out a message to Liam. Hopefully, we'll get him back on. We're not we're not going to address all the uh, Eric Bischoff controversy probably with him because we don't want to lower him to that. <laughs> because I think I think Liam's work kind of stands on his own. I don't I don't think we need to. Uh, to get into that debate, but I, I would like to pick Liam's brain a little bit more on just everything that happened with uh, that time period in wrestling, and even in modern day wrestling, he's got a he's got a great mind for the business. So, um, you guys have any closing thoughts before we sign off for the night? I think it's been a pretty good show. I was uh, happy to invite Bill Matz back on the show. We'll yeah. have to do this again. So, oh, know, absolutely! Great yeah. time on this show, guys. Yeah, an old friend that. Uh, it's a good time getting you back on here to chat some professional wrestling, and we will definitely have to do this again. Bill, um, get some plugs out there again. Where can we find you? Uh, what are you doing these days? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's at Billadelphia1, Bill, and then Adelphia1, you know, like the city where I cover sports. Uh, it's uh, Broad Street Hockey Radio is my podcast. We do a weekly Flyers show. Uh, every yeah, every Monday we record. We're live on Facebook on the Broad Street Hockey page. You can find the show on iTunes, uh, BSH Radio, SoundCloud, all those places where iTunes are. You know where to find uh, or where podcasts are. You know where to find podcasts. And yeah, that's pretty much pretty much what I'm up to. Very good. Well, it's great to have you on. Uh, you're doing a great job over there on on the uh, hockey sports front. I have uh, tuned in some, to some of those shows just to check up on you and see what you're doing these days. And uh, you appear to have a pretty good audience and uh, doing a fine job. So I got to say, in the in the days of Top Rope Press, you were one of our very good writers and uh, always appreciate your insight into the world of wrestling. So we'll have to have you back on. In the days of Top Rope Press, I was definitely one of the writers. Yes. For sure. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Kyle. That's funny. Kyle, where can we find you? Uh, then for the next four days, you're not going to find me a damn place because <laughs> it is the one time a year that I do not have to work. It is Major League Baseball All-Star break, and I am going off the grid, baby. <laughs> Kyle will be watching a lot of Mid-South Wrestling on the WWE Network. I will be doing that. Unfortunately, I'm a parent, so I do actually have some legal responsibilities according to the man, so I guess I'll... <laughs> can't totally vacate them but yeah I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to having some uh uh some fun there you the go next four days any vegas trips on your horizon uh no not really dude i've traveled so much in the last two months i might not leave the street for the next you know three months <laughs> to be honest with you yeah when i say i'm getting hammered i'm just doing it in my basement man for god's sake <laughs> understandable all right. Well, you can find him at, at TRP Kyle. Justin signed off a little bit ago. If you're wondering why you haven't heard him talking, he had some parent responsibilities to get to. You can find him at Justin Joint. I am at Historical Ryan. 
We'll be back uh, this Thursday evening with another edition of Top Rope Nation. I think that'll be episode 66. So we'll have probably some fresh material to talk to after Monday and Tuesday this week. And uh, we'll start to talk about what's heading into SummerSlam this year. So on that note, thanks for joining us tonight for our Extreme Rules pay-per-view recap and a little bit of Brian Pillman. (laughs) We will catch you guys next time. We'll be right back.